For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, VIP. Let's kick it. Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Beno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And how are we, lads? Feel, feel a bit more energised this week compared to last week. We were just talking in the uh, the pre-show with our patrons. It, it went long last week after a, a long weekend of, uh, of staying up for AEW as well. Uh, I don't know. I feel, I, feel, I feel definitely more refreshed this week. Lots of wrestling to, to catch up on and, uh, and get, get tuned in, in today. Usually that, that normal Monday backlog and catch up. But I feel good, JP. feel all right this week. Yeah, because last week, and we were saying, obviously, we were saying this in the pre-show. Mm. Oh, absolute fucking! I was a mess by the end of that show. Mm. It's not like I've been drinking or anything else. I was just like completely brain dead. Sunday pay-per-views. I know it sounds nice. No, <laughs> Saturday, please, Saturday, because then it gives you know. If only for the podcasters, mm. won't somebody think of the podcast? <laughs> um, you know, gives us a day to kind of. You know, digest our thoughts and then record on Monday. Mm, it's only fair, isn't it? Like, a, it's like um, you know, the all this WWE Network news. You know, who's, who's thinking of all those retro podcasters on the American side who are all going to be screwed over by uh, by by not having access to the retro stuff? It's important stuff. God, yeah, that that was under the tick in the AW box, wasn't it? Was the whole Saturday night thing? It was mm. like. Yes, finally someone's done it, so you can actually just like stay up and have a few drinks and just like have a have a bit of crack and things like that, and just uh, but yeah, no, switch it to a Sunday and then you are fucking podcasting on two hours sleep and just like <laughs> <laughs> like wanting to die at fucking one a.m. in the morning talking. I'm sure about no one could tell. <laughs> There was a point during the end where, like, Steph was having a dinner. We were all clearly knackered, and it was just like, "Oh, there's still four more matches to go." Hopefully, we still pulled it out the back. You know, when when yeah. your back's up against the wall like that, JP, that's when that's the real test of uh, of being a podcaster. But you know, got a few tests like that recently. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's 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 when you you know that's 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 when your best kind of takes are going to come out. Is in is in those circumstances, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, Righteous anger. It kind of reminded me in a. Well, it reminded me of a story from Tony Adams mm. when he said that one of his best performances is when he played when he was pissed against Luton <laughs> 4-1. And he played like, on a, and I can remember, like, I don't know why, but bits of that game I can remember bits of. Just an absolute monster at the back. But I mean, he used to knock him away before he got reformed. It was like, it was four pints an hour mm. and he'd be drinking for like four hours. It's like, that's... That's old Irishman level of booze in that. That's like hardcore shit to to keep up with. But he, and he played a game of football. Yeah. To be to be fair though, I think 
I think the fastest that I've ever ran in my life is when I've been drunk. I always feel <laughs> yeah. like I'm. I always yeah. feel like I'm running faster, and, and I definitely have. Sorry, what are you running from or towards in, in this scenario? I'm just wondering now. <laughs> <laughs> probably like the uh, probably the kebab shop or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I definitely definitely have those moments where I'd be like absolutely mm-hmm. bladdered and just like sprinting full pelt to like catch the bus or catch the uh, kebab shop before it closed, and definitely feeling like I am fucking flying here, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's probably though like, your imagination of what you look stuff. like and the reality though. <laughs> it's probably different. be like all over the shop mm. in a fucking wiggly line. Christ above. <laughs> well, we were just talking before we started about it being Paddy's Day on Wednesday and uh, Steph's stream she's doing for that. And apparently, she's going to be drinking fat frogs. We just found what what that what what is it? Smirnoff Ice, WKD, and some of the mess Bacardi, Bacardi Breezer. That was it all mixing. You having some of them on Wednesday, JP, to celebrate? Uh, you celebrate your great co- your fair country. Well, yeah, Patty's yeah, Day. Traditionally, I like to, I yeah, I like to celebrate Patty's Day. I don't know where <laughs> that came from because that just feels like a fucking insult, like from the start. Like I explained, I did a lot of like working in bars when this stuff was on, but that Patty's Day, that just that Patty's bit, particularly because mm. my brother's called Patrick, so like Paddy, for example, comes from that. Not fucking hard. Where this tea business comes oh, from, I don't know. Americans are the worst for that. Like, I've been, the amount of, when I used to go quite a bit for, like, the, you know, I'd go see Ring of Honor or go visit mates in Wisconsin. For some reason, I'd go to Wisconsin. Don't know why now. But, you know, I had a great time. But, like, the amount of times I'd be trying to order something and I'd be like, can I, can I, have, a, can I have a glass of water? And they'd be like, sorry, what? Can I have a glass of water? Sorry, what? Can I have a glass of water? <laughs> like, oh, right, water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nah, T's and D's. Like, I, yeah, I, I I don't like it when Z's when it's like colorize mm. and it's just like the red squiggly line underneath it for the Z and the S. That's it. It shouldn't mm. send me into a rage, but like it's <laughs> you know here we are. Mm. That, that's the kind of world that we're living in at the moment. No, I won't be drinking um, the traditional Irish fat frog drink, which um, <laughs> we famously found was drunk by now. Michael Collins and a- Eamon de Valera <laughs> when they were discussing partition of. Um, of Ireland, um, sitting down over a few fat frogs, they were. Hey, like I was saying before, Devon wanted pineapple Bacardi Breeze. <laughs> what can I say? Hey, eighteen-year-old me would have loved that stuff, though. Uh, I couldn't drink it now. I'm an IPA or nothing man these days. You were seriously saying you went, su- you were drinking draft Smirnoff Ice, yep. somewhere. Yep, that was the thing. Where like, where, where was that? It was for, some for- somewhere in Dublin, Dublin, just outside the Temple Bar. I've never, I've never, I've never experienced it again since JP or before, but I was pretty fucking pissed that night. Um, yeah, and again, you know, at that age, I thought that I mean, I was all about the alcohol pops. Like that was that was what I drink. You know, the the blue WKD, the red WKD, all the different. Uh, oh, the other like multicolor VK. That was another one. That was the that was the the cheap yeah. povo one that you could get. All kinds. New taste buds weren't reformed enough for beer. Can you remember Mets? Mets. It was like mm. a white bottle. Like, oh, that what, was a uh, that, co- was, that was definitely the alcohol pop. Was that the Judderman one? I is can't that remember, like but I remember the bottle. Is it, did it have like a white cover to it? Like, yeah, like yeah. Rip off. There used to be a pound in my student union. That's all. But uh, like, how would you uh, spell it? Not like any, the French football. Yeah, team. yeah, like the French football team. But that was definitely, and you used to be able to get like the. Um, Smirnoff mules as well. Oh, like boy. it was like the mule, oh. mules and Mets in our student union for a quid. That was a uh, glory days. <laughs> I used to go the the George and Crosby near you, Gareth, and it was like, Thursdays and Sundays, pound a drink. Uh, fucking 
go out with a tenner, be absolutely wasted and go home. Like, I'd, I'd kill for that. Oh. <laughs> it was, that was like, that was my first. The first night out in Crosby was the George. That was, was it? Like, yeah, yeah. And Sarah was like, come out come out where I live. And we went to George. Like, fuck. <laughs> I'm very sorry, mate. I apologise. Um, but yeah. Was what was fun. that place called over the road from it where you used to go down? Oh, it's the like Late Lounge. Bar now or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible things. Lo- local pub, JP, that, that thought itself a club on Thursday and Sundays for, 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 oh. for stupid. Um, a club on Sundays? Oh, yeah. It was like, well, yeah. it was an excuse to everyone. I'll pound a drink. <laughs> up at work at seven but fuck it yeah <laughs> it was like a bottle of bex or a bottle of some kind of like vk drink or something that was a quid but yeah it's, it's like when i was on um, bw on thursday and we were trying to explain to way the difference between london and up north it was like the price of a pint oh. i don't think that quite translates a football way uh, but it's important stuff you know you can't get a drink for a pound these days anyway oh well that, yeah. that just reminded me when you were talking about that because like i was in toronto this time last year and i met up with john and way for a pint mm. and then uh, and <laughs> Way, way ordered some, way ordered some pint that was like fifteen quid a pint, and like John bollocked him because I said I get the round because I said I get the round big raffle money, and John, John, John refused to to let him ha- let him have the uh, fifteen quid pint. I was like, good on you, John, because I'd have just had to go along with that and pay. For the <laughs> wow, I didn't know it was like that in Canada. I know like the Canadian dollar is kind of ridiculous compared to the pound. Like it's always confusing to me, but. Like that, I think the most expensive drink I've ever had is in Oslo, where it was like fifteen pound for like a, I think it was an Erdinger or something like some generic wheat beer, and it cost me fifteen quid. I thought that was bad. I didn't know uh, Canada was uh, was up there too. I think it was some special, like it was on a board kind of thing. I think it was some like limited edition. Um, Something, yeah, but like mm. Way was like, yeah, yeah, I'll try the <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever that was before he was put right. Anyway, <laughs> no smear off ice then. Just what you no, should. No, absolutely not. It's, it's three of these. Mm. Yeah, it's. I've just seen in the chat as well. Um, uh, Andy's mentioned two dogs and hooch, which is, I mean, nothing good happens on these drinks. Mm. Very, very rarely do good things happen. You had a night out on hooch as well. Mm. I mean, and, and admittedly, like I'm of an age. Do you remember? Do you ever drink Thunderbird, Benno? Twenty twenty, mm, not real. Twenty twenty, yes, not Thunderbird though. Okay, twenty twenty, you can still get now. I'm pretty sure should be banned. <laughs> Rocket fuel. I used to hear about. Uh, I, 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 Australian friend of mine. He mm. used to always say about Bundy rum, Bundaberg mm. rum. Yeah, and, yeah. And the line he uses: if you don't fight on Bundy rum, you're a fucking coward. <laughs> it's as simple as that. <laughs> I want to know what your nights are. Fucking hell. <laughs> I couldn't be no. I'm a lover, not a fighter, mate. Mm. I'm not a good lover at that as well. Hey, I jest. You ever had a fight on a night out? I've had one. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) Did you use wrestling moves? No, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I should have. (laughs) Just some drunk scally, really. We thought I'd stolen his drink and I hadn't. He was just drunk. It didn't last very long. To be honest, I've had more like to do with like my actual friends. Like the amount of times like I've gone to like, Eastern Europe or somewhere on like a lads weekend or something. It might just be a me thing. Like I fell out with like three of my different mates. One of my mates, um, Chris, he's got a we, we call him Sexy Chris because he's a he's a very good looking lad. Um, and he was in his day unbelievable. Like yeah, he'd, uh, he he basically <laughs> girls just flock to him on any night out. He's like model level good looking. So one 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 year he decided to get a nose job because he wanted to be even more good looking. And then we went away to um, Bratislava, and he just had his nose job. And I don't know what it was. We were arguing. I think I'd I'd, I'd drinking some um, horrible Polish 
it's a liquor, I think it's called uh, Tetra Tea. Uh, I say horrible, actually, it is quite nice, but I just had too much of it. Completely got, got wasted, completely passed out pretty much outside this this pub in in, in, uh, in Bratislava. And then, like, literally for the next three days, all he did was make fun of me for it. And it was like a cut, no one of them, where it was like, just like, it's just, I, was caught, I just wants to, I wants to get him back, get him back. And then eventually I just snapped. And I threatened to do because he just had his nose job. I threatened to do five grand worth of damage to his face. And to me, in the in 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 the moments of anger, I felt like that was a good line to throw out there. It is because <laughs> he left me alone after that. Yeah, <laughs> he was scared. He couldn't afford, he couldn't afford that level of damage. Not that I'd have been able to do that level of damage. I was just wound up. I'm not a fighter, everyone. It's just sometimes too much time with the same people. You know what I mean? It can uh, it can drive you a bit crazy. Learn, learning some things about you tonight. <laughs> are, aren't we? Well, it was yeah. it was the same holiday where we, um, we when we were in that pub, armed police turned up looking for a man with a gun. So yeah, lovely place, Bratislava. Yeah, had a great, great little holiday over there. It's good though. I was there last time, this time last year. I went back. I'd do it. Sounding like Joe, the stag dude. Joe went on to Poland. <laughs> oh God, yeah. That was funny because like he he told us that story on air and then. I won't. I'll leave the details. But like one of my mates, who you guys know, also like a couple of weeks later was like, "Oh, you won't believe what happened to us in Poland. We went to like this this strip club, and then yeah, all of a sudden like the 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 the, the groom had gone missing, and then like people were passing. And I was like, that's literally the exact same story as what happened to Joe. Um, Got to be careful out there, you know. It is isn't no it? comment. Just don't travel. <laughs> no, well, I, I, I'm just thinking. It's like you've like you've learned the lesson from watching Hostel. Mm. Where you just go, don't travel abroad. Bad things happen. <laughs> a horrific film franchise. I don't know. I I haven't had those kind of like hijinks. There's a bit when mm. I went when I was travelling where there was like some genuinely scary shit in Mexico. Mm. Um, which again, I'm going to say because that's just an entire long fucking rambling part of that. Where, but like I, I'm I'm gen. You can imagine this. I'm good at not get, getting out of those tricky situations. Mm. I can. I'll just try and blag my way out and generally it's worked i've jinxed it now so i've managed to kind of like kind of make do without it like mm. I've, I've yeah i've managed not to get into too much trouble <laughs> i'm just seeing here this message spanish fly off the bar could you do a spanish fly well a did one in a in a shoot fight so i think it's uh all yes. better off at that point aren't they did it in an ambition final so you know you can do it oh shigahiro Iri won with a fucking pile driver to um What's his name? The commentator, Rico Bushido, mm. while he was dressed up as Al Sim from fucking Street Fighter. It was a very weird, weird <laughs> tournament, the way that ended. I was just thinking, what we should all do is, we obviously we can't this year for the uh, the world-famous slap fight on Saturday night, but I feel like this time next year, or like sometime later in the year, next time there's a big slap fight event, lads, I think we need to go to Poland. That's what we need to do. Grapple lads abroad. <laughs> We'll do like a live podcast for the Patreon yeah. or something. Slap fight live, yeah. yeah get a fight to pay for the flights or something. We'll go and cover it for them. Who's going to drive more interested in well fights than that. us? Yeah. Uh, like, we're watching that, right? We're going to be watching Slap Fight well, either, regardless. I went to Little at the weekend and got in the uh, the Polish pierogies. Uh, I didn't even do it with Slap Fights in mind until Ian Hamilton pointed out how perfect that would be. So I've got some pierogies there to, uh, to put on the boil uh, next Saturday night, so I'm definitely going to watch it, I think. I can't, not, I can't not watch it now. It, I feel like it's been talked about so much in mm. the last... Like two weeks that you've just like just got to watch it now. Like mm. so, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll we'll see what we can do. See if there's a fight promotion to be had there. I'm sure there's an uh, there's an affiliate link as well. Probably if uh, 
if um, if other people want to watch it, yeah. <laughs> it works too well. Slapple. Change that Twitter logo. <laughs> Episode titles are, are writing themselves at the moment. <laughs> they really are. I mean, if for anyone who's listening to this who isn't aware of this, you mm. need to watch the trailer for Slap Wars, mm. um, which this is going to take off. And fair play Poland for getting mm. in on the ground and an entirely new form of combat sport, mm. which seems to be influenced, I don't know, by a tango advert at times. And just general, it's, is it getting to the point now, are they going to have like kind of live British bulldog? We're just bringing shit from the playgrounds mm. in a like, in a like pay-per-view television. <laughs> because <laughs> I think like you can have a few mental games. I mean, British bulldog was something that when you play it in school, you play it on fucking concrete as well. yeah. I did a spine. I used to practice spine busters. Even um, I remember doing a spine buster in rugby when you practice tackling in rub- rugby, <laughs> and it'd be like, "Oh, bring him round." One lad, I thought I'm fucking Arn Anderson him, so it's just like lifted him up. <laughs> oh, I had the snap in it and everything. Mm. Obviously, I mean, if there was anyone filming, that would have been all, like a whole different fucking problem. But like, honestly, a god, it, it was it was a glorious spine buster. I, I was a bit more Stan Hansen in my tackling. It's definitely, uh, definitely taken a few heads along the way. That's a rugby league for it. You wouldn't have survived the video referee era, would you? I certainly wouldn't. I played, I played one game of rugby union when I was at university for my uh, my mates. Um, needed somebody to go and play. I played, and I got sent off after four minutes. <laughs> Mild mannered me, but you tackle up here in rugby league. You don't tackle there. I love it. Dirtiest player in the game. Just looking at some of the things on the chat here, I mean, Andy Ogden has said there's going to be a a Graps and Slaps special on it. I feel it should be live, Andy, is what Mm. we should be doing. We should be doing a crossover reunion. Well, I'm just saying it now. Saturday night. There we go. We've got a happy hour due, not this weekend, but the weekend after, you know, we could talk. Just throwing it out there. (laughs) There we go. Have a few Um, of them frogs. Yeah, there you go. Get some of them. Get them. You know what? There's, a, there's an idea brewing here. Stay tuned. See if see if Fight will buy us the uh, the ingredients for some uh, some happy frogs, and we'll uh, we've got to go. Hey, we're doing a fucking job for them. <laughs> like honestly, a god. It's, Dumpling would be. Proud. I don't know why why we're insulting our corporate partner. But, you know, <laughs> no legs gaming has said on in the chat as well. Someone broke their leg in my school doing British bulldog. I, mm. I I'm not surprised by that. It was a <laughs> It's fucking game for animals, really, when you think of it. Just savage behaviour. I love the wrestling move conversation because it always reminds me of don't try this at home. (laughs) Fuck you. I'm putting my cousin in this figure figure four and I'm doing it now. (laughs) Oh, yeah, when I was a kid, yeah, that was it. I think the figure four and the perfect plex were like the two main moves because I feel like the figure four, you could legitimately, as fake as it is, and then you could put a bit of pressure on and make it hurt. And the the perfect plex was always good because you could use that in a shoot too. That or a small package. No one's kicking out of that. I remember my mate sticking me in a Boston Crab mm. when I was about 11 and like fucking like hearing my back cracking and sort of seeing stars. I don't know what the fuck happened there. Like, but I was like, oh yeah, this actually could like legit do some fucking damage here. You know? mm. In fairness, is that the same lad who went over to the New Japan Dojo that year as well? <laughs> <laughs> 
And he grew up and his name was Katero Shibata. <laughs> and his name was Kaya Kaya. So I'm very surprised. It's well gone now. Um, but yeah, I mean, we should probably get into the rest of the stuff because we have got a, we have got a lot to uh, to talk about today. Lots of uh, catch-up viewing uh, of different promotions that we've watched. AEW, New Japan, even Noah JP. Uh, might be a bit of stardom in there, a bit of MLW, a bit of impact. If we can, uh, if we can get it all in. Um, before we do get there, though, yeah, we've had uh, a lot going on in the uh, the Patreon once again. JP, what have uh, what have people got to uh, to look out for uh, over this last week and uh, and going forward? Well, if you were uh, listening last week, you would have seen we had um, another episode of our scrap. We had our first Patreon exclusive. Um, Ask Grapple, mm-hmm. which is good because it's it's a long show, but at the same time, it's not time sensitive, so you can mm-hmm. dive in and out. Like the bit where Meltzer would answer questions with Alvarez at the end of a show, really. you <laughs> could just chuck them in anywhere. Similar, um, similar meter really where it goes about twenty seven hours. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it, it, we're nothing if not self indulgent. Really. <laughs> um, but uh, everyone's question yeah, got answered. That. <laughs> we are going to be recording our um, deep. Uh, deep cut take into uh, Muhammad Hassan, uh, the mm. character and the the kind of situation around the London bombings as well. So that's going to be like really fascinating to look into. I'm looking looking forward to that. Mm. Um, we've got our daily updates. We're going to be having, you know, as we enter WrestleMania season, we're going to be having WrestleMania kind of focused flashback uh, for the poll that you can vote for, for us to watch. I think we're going with the four best WrestleManias. We, we feel that we've earned the right to watch a good show. Mm. rather than being um, sort of tortured watching shit. I mean, no, that's, 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 all, that's an awful way of saying it. Ah, like, makes, makes a good yeah. podcast. And we've got the daily updates as well, mm. where um, I'll, I'll do something for St. Patrick's Day, um, St. Freudian slip, St. Patrick's Day, where um, it will probably come across <laughs> as patronising and offensive to, uh, to a nation of uh, four and a half million. So, yeah, fingers crossed. So yeah, that's all on the Grapple Patreon. Three tiers. You released what were the early tier names? Oh yeah, we, we were going to go for it. <laughs> oh yeah, I put that on Twitter today because uh, there was there was some news today of uh, of uh, our old mate Doug Williams is uh, shock horror JP. He's coming out of retirement that he never really actually went into. I don't think. I don't think he did. He ever really retire. He was the uh, the Mark Fowler of progress. I really in, in the light of that, I, I wish I'd made Mark Fowler the uh, the middle tier, and that was uh, that was the way to go. Missed out. <laughs> Oh, we did, didn't we? I mean, I, I'm. Can you believe he's back, though, JP? Can you believe it? What to, to channel the sp- spirit of Rev Joe? It feels like this is the equivalent of maybe him joining the Bill mm. if he comes out of retirement and starts doing a few <laughs> matches, and he comes back. Of which I've had that storyline explained to me, where mm. he pretends someone's his mum. Mm. You remember that one of the June from the Bill? Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, this is completely fucking wild on there, but yeah. It's a bit like him coming back for that. But yeah, Mark Fowler um, doing a Magic Johnson, if anything. Uh, he's coming back. He's staying around. He's got, he's got a bit more to offer. Um, let's face it, he can fucking run this scene now, can't he? If he comes back, it's there for the taking. Main events on every show. Any Omega of Brit Rest gimmick, couldn't he? He just goes around. He's the top guy in all of these promotions. Doug, Johnny, like Jody. 2021. Taking over yeah. all the shows. <laughs> D- didn't As didn't stable. he work, didn't he work a fucking week after that Progress Wembley show anyway? I'm pretty uh, sure. And he did another couple pretty- of Japan tours. Yeah, forty eight on here, Dunk. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what. 
if we're going by KG Muto standards, like he's he's oh, merely in the, the fucking <laughs> early days of his career here, that big run, you know, I think he's just biding his time for that big Noah run. Mm. Like he's, you know, he's he's the man to kind of take over the young whippersnapper that is. I was going to say, young boy, Noah, young boy, Doug Williams. <laughs> Do you know? You say this if you had Jody and Johnny mm. and Doug Williams running roughshod, going right, we're just going to fucking dominate the scene. Them as tag champs. Mm. I could I could go with a Doug Williams as Tim Storm kind of like like kind of serious champion thing. Fuck it. At this point be- beggars can't be choosing. I saw we get we're getting what we're given. TNT post, Doug Williams. posted a clip today of like Jody Fleisch and Jonathan Gresham having a match at the hangar and I I don't think I was there. It might have been another one where maybe, you know, I'd had a few too many fat frogs or something. I was a bit drunk, hey. but like, <laughs> it was, I don't remember being Patrick's at that show, that. but I was looking at it going, I'd fuck, I'd buy a ticket to that immediately. I'd go see that tomorrow <laughs> compared with the rest of the yeah. shit that's on these lineups at the moment. It's like that. That's like prime Brit Res content though. I'll take it. Answer the question though. Why wouldn't you put them on these shows? Mm. Get Jody and Johnny in for fuck's sakes. When in doubt, mm. get those lads in. A couple of reverse Ranas. It's like the good old days. Well, they were <laughs> terrible old days. But mm. I enjoyed the reverse Rana for the day. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, what you like. I, it, they're veterans. Mm. They're probably like some of the few veterans. It's like Dean Allmark. Mm. He's someone you want to be getting in there. Totally. And years. younger than you think. Like to me, Dean Allmark's like 45. I think he's literally mm. about my age or maybe a couple of years older. Yeah. He's just been allowed around that long. That's all it is. Uh, it's going to be those dudes' time to shine. Camps are back. I, I, I was just thinking when you were saying there about like Johnny and Jody and Doug Williams, I was I was thinking, I'm sure they were on that catch show that ran last year. I didn't go, but then I've just like quickly looked it up here. Yeah, and like it was the first match on that show, uh, Ethan and Luke. Against Johnny Fleisch and Jody Storm, like that was the opener, and I'm sure, sure mm. Doug Williams didn't wrestle, but he was like he was part of it as well. So maybe that's the route they were going down anyway. Maybe mm. it was the maybe the maybe they were going for that uh, that little stable there of um, of the uh, of Johnny Jody and Doug. There you go, get yourselves out and catch. <laughs> Just trying to think if you get all market, it's the new four horsemen. <laughs> is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> the UK horsemen. That's what, that's what you want. It's them four coming in, running roughshod. <laughs> Dean Allmark as Barry Wyndham. <laughs> Look, it's, Doug it's a, as Flair. <laughs> it's only a real all-star takeover if we get, like, Flatliner and the lads coming back as well. They were talking on the Q&A, get, like, the legend of doom in. Uh, bring in the UK Pitbulls. Oh. I, think, I think that's the future of Brit Rest now. I think we re- we're basically doing what Vince McMahon does, where he, he's gotten comfortable. He's gotten like uncomfortable with these young whippersnapper, like millennial type wrestlers. So he's like bringing people back from the mid two thousands Raws that he never pushed anyway, and just pushing them. Like that's literally what it is. We'll just get all of those. Let's back all of the elder. Robbie Brookside's time to shine. I think uh, him and Frankie Liverpool lads. Bring- <laughs> it's coming. God. Maybe we won't go that far. Oh, <laughs> I was no, say, no, come on, come, come on. <laughs> that's, a step, that's a step too far. Don't even joke. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I mean, that that was like some of the news that hit today. I was going to mention as well. Like there, there's a there's a couple of WWE centric stories about Vin, one about Vincent Mann apparently being in denial and surrounded himself with yes men. Yeah, that was a news story I saw uh, reported today as Fuck if it was off. new. <laughs> um, and also apparently, you, mate, refuse to believe that. Apparently, there's loads of uh, test failures going on. At NXT uh, and this Wednesday's episode of uh, NXTV, NXT TV is looking uh, extremely uh, well the matchups that have been announced are looking extremely doubtful because of that who, who knew yeah, running in Florida in the middle of a pandemic might uh, 
<laughs> might result in that JP. Yeah, colour me fucking shocked that this has happened. Um, group of people dropped on the head who don't like wearing masks mm. in a COVID-heavy state run by a governor mm. who effectively is just open the state for business up anyway. And uh, they're going to be running a show in front of 45,000. I'm mm. sure that's going to go brilliantly as mm. well at the stadium. Like, they're angry about this, but they've at no... It doesn't feel like at any stage have they ever brought the point across to mm. the wrestlers of, no, this is real, partly because I'm not sure Vince believed it was a real thing for a long time. He just probably thought it was the US government fucking with him again, mm. like they did over over the steroid trial. He'd probably make it into a me situation. Um, but it, it's, it doesn't seem like they've ever kind of imposed like what they have to do in terms of social distancing because mm. the fuckwits are out on Instagram posing photos of them fucking, I don't know, giving each other piggyback races mm. and just fucking laughing well pissed up. I mean, like, they're idiots. And, it, you know, somehow they need to be reminded. And then this happens. And you're like, you know, you don't want bad things to happen, but fuck me. This is a company you... Brain sell amongst you know, as Ian has said to us in the chat there, the delay in the onset of Mania tickets. We were talking on the uh, the weekend preview on Friday, JP, about the breaking news there about how it's looking like they're going to be going for what two thirds capacity for WrestleMania, forty five thousand people each night. <laughs> like, I don't know if like it, you know what they'll probably as uh, as Sean is saying there they'll probably they'll probably tell us it was forty five thousand whether it is or it isn't. Um, but it's just like you know, yeah, we, we, they want to smash some records and they want to be able to brag about it. So uh, by hook or by crook, they're going to still do it. Well, they'll be smashing some records. There'll be <laughs> most deaths in the following week, probably, or something like that. But yeah, fucking hell, forty-five thousand. Like we were saying, Gareth, how would you do that without like bring like there aren't going to be any Europeans, there aren't going to be any like worldwide tourists. Like are the forty-five thousand Americans even who want to go and watch WWE WrestleMania at this point, I don't know. They're just like and, and as well, like they might go like, all right, in the stadium, then mm. then like we can we can spread them out or something like that. But just fucking get in there and things mm. like that. It's just going to be madness. It's just going to absolute chaos. But they don't give a fuck, do they? It's all about what mm. it's going to look like on TV. And like you say, they can have the uh, they can have something to boast about that they've had the uh, the biggest crowd in the mm. in the pandemic era or something like that. And there'll be um that'll be something that'll be a graphic on the screen or something. And then they can uh, mm. pat themselves on the back and everyone can. And smile along with it, but fuck it now. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, like, it's one of them. They're gonna WWE is gonna WWE. I bet it's killing Vince that because it's looking like they're trying to trying to find another venue for the Thunderdome because they're they're not gonna. It doesn't look by the end of this this run um, in the current Thunderdome they're gonna be able to go back to touring or whatever. But they will be back touring by the summer, like hundred um, percent. Yeah, it's uh, just just how it is isn't it WWE what else what else do you expect but it is interesting to me that like obviously AEW have had individual cases and have had some bad you know it's it's happened absolutely people have failed tests and stuff but these clusters of failures do seem to like rotate around NXT I mean maybe that maybe that's not fair maybe it's just a Florida wrestler problem because you know they all are on top of each other and you know we heard all the stories of the Christmas of you know ricochet at parties and for some reason he became the boo boy and like the poster boy for 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 being a COVID idiot um there's lots more than just him um but yeah it's just that all these wrestlers in one place and it just 
for whatever reason, yeah, it just keeps happening. And when Vince McMahon, of all people, is about not only kicking off, and we didn't really get a chance to talk about it last week, about uh, slapping the leg, he's also kicking off about apparently people wearing masks um, at WWE. If, if, to be fair, JP, if Vince McMahon is pushing pushing for masks, that's actually quite woke by uh, by Vince McMahon's standards. I think I'll take it, but really I think he's just covering his ass and he? it's, a, it's a business thing. It's that, mm-hmm. or he's had COVID. And he's scared of getting it again. Mm. And yeah, maybe there was maybe. a kind of like, like, yeah, maybe that that was part of the reason for his Trump style kind of absence, mm. really, for that little period of time. Mm. And this is him thinking, actually, no, this is something that's going to threaten me. But then, like you say, it's from a business perspective. Mm. But then also from a business perspective, like they, if they try to get forty five thousand, and like you guys, I like the logistics of it here and Gareth just just kind of go through those about how you're going to get people in. Mm. It's not good look. You don't look like a responsible company if you're running an event with 45,000. And the main reason, the main driver behind it is ego because mm. you want to say you've had a bigger show than the Super Bowl mm. and the biggest kind of event, you know, you know, sort of post-COVID. Mm. Or while COVID is still going on and kind of like, you know, still somewhat rampant, you know, especially in the States, but it's fucking ridiculous. Mm. But then, you know, there's loads of places. There'll be other States they can move to because there's loads of like kind of Republican States where they're getting rid of mask mandates and stuff like that. They're doing that in Texas as Mm. well. So I think there's a lot of people who are going to be like kind of, you know, Mm. they're going to run, try and run mania as it is. I mean, I won't lie if they had to cancel tickets for it. I'd piss myself laughing. <laughs> like, I would really find that funny. Like, and I know that's just pure schadenfreude. And, and fuck their moments and dreams and fantasies. For Drew Galloway, it'd be the biggest kick in the bollocks. <laughs> they try to give Gareth's face is lighting up. No, he's made up. <laughs> so you've got to wait to play your deck. Come on. <laughs> yes. Um... That's yeah, just, it's just an American thing in general, though, isn't it? JP, it's like Florida in general. It just, it the rules don't apply. You know, obviously our country's a fucking shit tip right now with with ever with everything happening. But like, the one thing you can actually say is we we actually seem to be a little bit ahead of, of the curve, and that, that you know, you know, every we're, we're getting vaccines out so by June. We're hopefully going to be a safe enough country to to run these types of events in Florida. It's just like yeah, whatever. Just go for it, yeah. It's, it's fine, you know. We're just life. Life is normal. It's okay. They never stopped. Mm. I'm surprised they don't actively start promoting fucking I don't know mm. death matches and shit like that. I might as well just go the whole hog with it. I mean, it's it's like a, a the fact there's n- at no point are they thinking about whether or not like they could because in theory AEW have a football stadium mm. that is theirs mm. that they could try and run some massive show on there mm. and when you look at how it is at Daly's place there's enough of it spaced I mean don't get me wrong 1300 seems like far too many people for me yeah. at this point in time like I, I don't feel comfortable with that mm. but 45,000 is like I mean that's that's irresponsible and it's mm. the only real word for it. Mm. And if stuff happens as a result of it, and people are going to end up, if they get tickets, probably end up agreeing to some terms and conditions that suggest they probably can't sue WWE. Because mm. wouldn't that be the most WWE thing to do in the world? Is <laughs> not to actually take any any responsibility for it. But um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if it doesn't happen, we're going to get um, the second no fan reaction to Drew McIntyre's big moment. 
It might not even happen now, Gareth. You know, as as Will's been pointing out, you know, uh, Drew is uh, since he's dropped the belt and Lashley's taken over, the ratings have jumped to the the heavy heights of what one point nine million or something like that. Now, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it could be a sign. Wasn't doing that under Drew, was it? <laughs> <laughs> He, he never drew. Mega draw. There you go. Mega draw, Bobby Lashley. <laughs> uh, actually, that ties in quite well because, like, on the next point, like, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about uh, some AEW first to catch up on last week. But speaking of not drawing, did that shock you, Gareth? That that AEW rating this last week? Like, I, I would have expected, you know, them to be coming off the Shack Show, you know, which was almost a million, coming off a big pay per view, and then what? What was the number? It was like in the seven hundred thousands. It was. Pff- 743. 743, that's it. I've got it here. Yeah, that was like, I never expected that in a million years. I, I, did you put that down to anything at all? Like, any any reason you can say that? I thought, like, even because we're going to talk about how they dealt with the revolution fallback in a minute, fallouts in a minute, but even from a negative point of view of like wanting to just be curious about what actually happened uh, you know how they were going to get them get themselves out of the shit show that was the end of of revolution i thought those numbers would be up uh i don't know maybe we just throw all the numbers away maybe that's what it is uh i can't even explain that one this week yeah i, th- I thought it was um i thought it was a bit odd i thought yeah, like you say just sort of out of the general curiosity of mm. of what it would um what it would you know come out as what would be the story on the back of it and things like that because obviously everyone had been talking about it so much on you know on social media and things mm. and like all of the like laughing at them kind of thing yeah you, you definitely were saying okay well how they're gonna get themselves out of this situation i do remember seeing something on the um like in the days before and i saw some like quite a large poll online and it was like what people were going to be watching and I remember seeing that like NXT were beating it at, at one point. As it was, a, I think there was like quite a. Um, did they have a world title match on on NXT this week? I think there, I think there was a couple of matches Cole that were announced. For, mm. Yeah, yeah, like Cole and Barra. And I think there was another match that was announced on there as well. It was like a a pretty big one as well. That um, yeah, it just seemed like from a match standpoint that that was you know turning a few heads and looked like it was uh, it was possibly going to be a bigger NXT show. But I mean, did they? Their rating, you know, obviously didn't fucking set the world alight either. Did it? Rating, yeah. uh, I, I just think it comes back to, I think, was it on the Q&A show I was saying this, that mm. I just think there is that kind of base of around 700,000 people who are AEW fans who are going to watch it, you know, every single week mm. live. And it might go up by, you know, 50,000 one week. It might go up by 200,000 another week or something like that. It's just, you know, it fluctuates so much really within that, you know, that remaining 200,000 really. And there's almost like no rhyme or reason to it. You know, it doesn't sometimes, it doesn't matter if it's following a big show or following a big angle or if there's been a huge thing announced. You know, there's been a few occasions where it's just sort of dipped below what you'd probably expected it to. And then you've had random weeks where it's suddenly like, you know, touching nine hundred thousand or something like that, and you're thinking, "Hang about, what's what's driven that?" And you know, there doesn't seem to be any, you know, logical, you know, correlation to it. Really, I just, mm. I, I think it is just quite, quite variable. And you know, um, again, I think it's 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 one of those. Even when there's been, I think there's been like a couple of instances where they've they've announced, you know world title matches or really big main events and it doesn't bump the number as much as I would have expected it to. So mm. it's kind of like I think if it ever drops below seven hundred thousand or seven hundred and fifty thousand pretty much. I think that'll probably be a more yeah, that'll be a bigger concern than if it continues to kind of just fluctuate in that within that band. Mm, definitely. And you know, clearly the TNT are happy with them, you know, the the fact that, you know, 
okay, that Shaq mm. number didn't pass the million point, but it was still a great number last week. You know, as as Liam has pointed out to us, you know, it looks like they're going to be showing some MMA um, in conjunction with AEW on TNT now, going with uh, with one straight after AEW. Maybe hope hoping mm. that there's a bit of crossover uh, between the two, uh, like he says, a bit like what Spike used to do with TNA and the Ultimate Fighter. So there's no huge worry there or anything. It's coming off like you know, as we talk about the 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 crazy, you know, what's looking like estimates for for Revolution. You know, the Dave Meltzer's on record mm. in this week's Observer of talking about it being the most successful um, AW show of all time. You know, both from a money point of view, I think you had the number pegged at like six, seven million, and just purely from you know d- crunching the numbers on on the online buyers so far, he was looking at it doing in the hundred and twenty thousand range plus, um, which which you know is going past any AW show since. And there is a good there is a good pattern there of them pretty much pay-per-view on pay-per-view the main ones um doing bigger each time so there's clear growth there um just i'd imagine you know if you're in that if you're in that room with uh with tony khan and mucky garner you're kind of banging your head against the wall thinking god what what could what else could we have have done this week um i mean i'll say i'm not gonna blame him but Shows you what uh what Christian does for ratings, doesn't it? A bit like his uh his mate Ed- so his brother, no, his mate Edge, um in the WWE side. Who just I'm not blaming him, but it's like it's, you know, it's the like, same thing, isn't it? They don't go Edge Edge men fuck all. And guess what? Christian is, you know, lesser tag team partner who I get it, people rate him, people think he's this super worker. Um I don't see it, I just think he's small. Um and therefore people totally think he's I feel like like you guys live through this as well, especially you JP in the in the early two thousands mm. when the whole like push the cruiserweights was like every second line on every message board out there. And it was always just this fucking injustice that like Billy Kidman wasn't WrestleMania it wasn't like main event in WrestleMania's or like, you know, Jamie Noble, actually I'll defend that one, wasn't like a you know a top level champion in WWE. And yeah, I always thought I always thought Christian kind of got swept up in that because it was like, well, he's not as tall or good looking as Edge, therefore, like, he gets kind of, he's in like this icy title, you know, kind of slot. And then even when he does start to get himself over, like right before he left for TNA, um, you know, they're never, ever going to do anything with him. But yeah, you know, I think he's got, I found out this this last week, lads, uh, through my Twitter, there's a lot of... A lot of passionate Christian fans who uh, who feel quite strongly he deserves his uh, his moment in the sun, and he does he deserves this uh, do, like. this big run. Um, you know, but AW bringing him in and giving him giving him a shot. Uh, it looks like he's going straight into a a program with uh, with Kenny Omega, I suppose. But yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry, Christian's just not for me. He's just. For me, he got he got he got his gold watch in 2011 when he got his main event run with Randy Orton, and it was a let's pretend Christian can be a top level guy run, and he was good in the role, but like that was as high as really I think he ever should be in a card. He never meant anything for TNA in the mid 2000s when he was hot, and now AEW have brought yeah. him in. And I'll be honest, this to me, you know, a joke about it may be affecting the ratings. I doubt it did, but optic wise, I really didn't like this. Like, I really don't like bringing Christian in and slotting him straight into a program with Kenny Omega. Um, oh, yes, Kenny Omega's going to win. Yes, it'll probably even just be a TV match. Still wouldn't do it, though. I feel like you save those slots for, you know, other people or more interesting people who could potentially leave WWE that we can uh, we can talk about in a minute. You don't do that with Christian, as far as I'm concerned. But I don't know. I got enough pushback on my, my Twitter this week where either you two uh, Christian fans growing up or what you make of this uh, AW handling the Christian now we've actually seen him do a segment on a Dynamite. 
just seems odd to, odd to me. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just, just seems odd to me. I mean, we talked about it last week and, you know, I was saying, yeah, it's fine to like bring him in and he can have some matches and he can work with some young talent. And But, you know, the last thing I wanted to see was him going straight into the main event picture or anything like that. Lo and behold, you know, literally days later, you're watching the show and it's, you know, it's coming straight into a fucking angle with Kenny Omega and you're just like, <sighs> Jesus Christ, like, like, what, like, it's it, it sort of flies in the face of everything AEW has done before to to do this really. So it just uh, mm. it just seems seems odd to to me. You know, you saying there like oh I don't think you know I don't think he had an impact on the rate on the rating. Well, yeah, maybe not from a negative impact, but like he didn't have a positive impact. And you surely when that. you throw money at somebody like this and he's your big surprise and it's supposed to be like you know you know a big name signing and things like that. Surely he's got to move the needle in some way. Surely people have got to be like wanting to, you know, tune in live and you know see what comes on the back of his him appearing at the at, at the weekend. But yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you, Benno. For me, he was just somebody who was. Has he ever been in the top ten? Like, I, I, I don't mean when I say wrestlers, I don't mean like from an in ring standpoint or anything like that. Has he ever even genuinely been in like the top ten biggest stars in the WWE in the eras that he's been there or anything like that? I don't think he has you know and like i don't think he's you know he's, he's one of these people who just sort of fits in there nicely in that upper mid-card bracket that you can kind of move him up and down the card you can plug him into some tag team things you can have the odds like main event match or something like that but it's not somebody you're bringing into your promotion especially at the age of fucking 40 you know his late 40s when he hasn't wrestled in half a decade to be going in there with your with your champion that you've been establishing well over the last you know six six months you know surely you'd throw him in and like I say, have him work a bit further down the card, work with some young lads, and then if he catches fire a bit, if, if for whatever reason, then oh, right, maybe give him that kind of like one last run, but don't just plug him in at the top end because that just feels so TNA to me, and that's just everything mm, that I don't yeah. want AEW to feel like. The things you've hit upon there, like the TNA stuff, is the stuff that really comes to mind. The point when he was hot and he left and he went to TNA, he didn't move ratings he didn't move pay-per-view buys um and we've 15 years ago the same present 15 years ago and mm. we've got the same presentation of him and the presentation of him is the thing that i have the kind of issue this doesn't look like a character that's kind of evolved it's the same thing mm. exactly the same thing again now for me when i think of him and i think of him in the kind of in that attitude era and in the early 2000s, as mm. someone who was always very entertaining, but an upper mid, mid-carder, who you could do stuff with. You can have that one big kind of run to the top stuff. I think there's always an angle that you can do that with upper mid-carders. In this case, like it feels like he needed to be put in against sort of a transitional heel who he'd beat on TV who might get something from it. Perhaps somebody, I'm, I'm trying to think of, I, don't, I wouldn't say a Scorpio Sky because that would be kind of throwing him away. But that's the person you put him in there with when Gareth mm. talked, you know, you talk about those younger wrestlers who haven't had that kind of exposure. You can do that. You can you could put him in there against that. But what you're basically doing is you're presenting him as WWE Christian and you're putting him into a main event feud. Now, they can always come up with a storyline and things like that and kind of work around it. Mm. But, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And the first impression I got was this is WWE Christian. This wasn't like, okay, he's going to be, I'm not suggesting he'd be slightly different or anything else, but kind of show like an evolution to the character. Now, when you're coming back for a once off at the Royal Rumble, that's fine. You come back as the character you always have been. But in this case, you've got him on a multi-year deal. It's, I don't see what 
he ultimately offers. Yeah. Like, I mean, and again, I struggled to think of the really great Christian individual singles matches as well that can kind of, now there are some very good matches out there, but. That Orton run was very good that I mentioned before, nine years ago, 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where we're hitting. It's on 10 years ago. Ten, you know, it mm-hmm. would seem mad if you said, oh, you're 10 years later, he's just going to pick it up like that. And a Rumble match is a whole weird, different beast anyway, because it's a lot of the time you're kind of hanging onto a fucking rope trying to like kind of you know work these kind of danger spots aren't you as Mm. much as anything so yeah i I, it's not something i'm enthused by with at the start i i don't i think it's too soon to go into this whereas if you'd had him cutting a few promos and kind of cutting his teeth in the company and kind of getting the general feel and fitting into the ecosystem yeah i could then get that you then build to a match where he says he's the greatest wrestler ever to come from Canada and then Christian Cage comes out. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking a year down the line or like even six months down the line before you do something like that as a TV main event to put on in two weeks that you build up to and you have the discussion about whether Christian's going to be able to do it at this age. But yeah. instead, you're putting in a 48-year-old and you're putting him in the top place. Yeah, that's it. And it's it's like for me, I get the temptation to, to hire him because if I'm like... If I'm AEW, you know, this is someone who was, he was literally in the final four in the Royal Rumble, you know, five weeks before appearing in AEW, you know, there's a get there, but as I, as I, and I've gotten colder on this as like the week's gone on, because he was always kind of my minimum acceptable standard of like the hype that they'd given who that guy was going to be. I was like, well, at least there's a new story there. I kind of get it. But the more the time's gone on, like the analogy I made about like you play your EWR game and you sign because you can sign anyone you want. You end up signing like a Christian. Like, oh, yeah, there's another good upper mid card that he's over that I can bring in. And then you bring him in, and you're like, oh, shit, you know what? I've actually got to do some with, something with him every week now. And there isn't actually anything that interesting I can do with him. That feels like the the trap that they're in now. And yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I didn't expect you to, to 100% agree with me, to be honest, because I forget such grief. Because uh, there, are, there are hardcore Chris, there are big Christian fans out there. I found that out this week. Um, but he's, he is, he was a very, very good worker in his day. His day has come and gone, and the thing is, as and I'm, st- you know, Dave Meltzer said it, and he was more talking about like having older people on the roster, you know, having like a big show or whatever. But I think it works as a general ex WWE guy thing. You can make a case to bring in Big Show. You can make a case to bring in Christian. I always pick on it. You can you can make a case to bring in Vicky Guerrero. It's the combination of all of them that becomes a problem. And then somebody like, it doesn't look like it's going to happen now, but somebody like Andrade potentially comes on the market. Obviously, if he did, AEW, along with Ring of Honor and New Japan, who'd probably be the favourites, should make a play for Andrade. But at that point, that's what? The fourth ex-WDB guy to come in in a row in a short period of time. And then he just looks like another dude. That's when you look to, you know, you're just bringing in another WWE guy. You keep those slots clear for when a real difference-making potential young wrestler like Andrade becomes available. That's when you pull the yeah. trigger. And I just feel like if I was AW, I'd buyer's remorse at this point. Especially when they don't move the needle as well, because the whole idea of bringing somebody in and putting on that higher-end level of contract mm-hmm. is that they're, you know, they're supposed to be increasing your ratings. They're supposed to be maybe like attracting some eyeballs that haven't been on the product who find out that, like, oh, Christian's on there, you know, let's watch it. Well, that hasn't, you know, that hasn't happened this week on the TV ratings. We'll, you know, give it a little bit of time. Obviously, you don't jump and, you know, 
yeah. take uh, take take one read, maybe balance it out in a month's time or something like that, and sit and see what's happened. But I'd be amazed if there's droves of people out there who are like, oh yeah, let's tune into AEW because Christians like watching it. Who are you going to be in next Rhino? You know, it's like basically it just feels like mm. you know something like that. And even like even from the, I mean, one of the things that. that Again, I don't want it to be like a big pick on Christian kind of thing because obviously he does have some value. But even just that like whole Captain Charisma thing, it's not like he was, I, I, that's something I've never got. It's not like he's somebody who's like on the mic. He's like it, it's not like you've got somebody with better skills than Eddie Kingston or something like that coming out who's got more natural charisma. To me, he was always just a guy and less charismatic than Edge or less charismatic than Kurt Angle or whoever he was. He was always the least charismatic people, yeah. and that's probably a bit of a bit of a bit of a no, rip right. or. or, or almost but like he's not even bringing that to the table and then with this whole outwork everyone thing oh. i mean i'm just looking here I'm, I'm looking here on the app ratings you're saying there about them randy, them randy orton matches Bennett. get him like, gareth get him yeah he had like like his his two best rated singles matches on the app now granted this is going back you know and you know you've only got certain numbers of people populating these but you know you've got you know, over 50 people here. Money in the Bank 2011, 3.95, like average rating. Well, great. I've seen five, 3.95 matches this week. The best match with Randy Orton at SummerSlam 2011, Christian's best singles match on the app, mm. like 4.26, like average rating. Mm. Like fucking Alex Zane against Blake Christian's 4.06, like sandwiched in between both, <laughs> both of those, do you know? I know which one I'd rather watch It's not as if, it's not as if, it's not as if, you know, Christian was out there tearing it up, putting on these like four and a half star singles matches all, all all the time. That just that just wasn't happening. So it's not like why now after all this time off and at that age is he suddenly going to be um, coming in there and oh, being the guy who's going to be like outshining Phoenix or outshining Kenny Omega or Pac or whatever? It's, it ain't happening. Like and so mm. yeah, um, I'm definitely in the same camp as you when it comes to the enthusiasm for the uh, the big Christian main event though. Mm. whereas we're in a world at the minute that's populated by loads of amazing wrestlers who given the opportunity could do something and they're more likely to change than to like move the needle than anything else so you bring in an Andrade who's genuinely brilliant and on his day it's absolutely tremendous I mean I can remember when he first came to NXT and the character was felt like something they kind of shoehorned onto him but then when they got Zelina Vega in there the act just kind of completely worked Mm -hmm. and it was a really good NXT run it was a much better NXT title run than I thought it was going to be Um, and this is someone who is a great worker who has the potential as well if you book them right you're always trying to appeal and it's all in niches but you're trying to improve that TV rating well there's very clear demographics that you're going to be aiming at and an audience that is familiar with Lucha, you'd want to be playing up the kind of La Sombra roots and the rest of it. And those Mm -hmm. are the people you want to bring in. The people who you can kind of show, yeah, they're in WWE now, look what we can do with them. We Mm -hmm. turn them into proper stars. And they could do that with a number of people if Mm -hmm. they're given the chance to do that. Christian isn't going to be one of them. And I'm not convinced about how motivated he's ultimately going to be because if this is just he's ended up in AEW because it's been a trade-off with WWE and he can get this much money out of him, well, that's good for him from a business perspective. But then for us as a watch it consuming a television product, it may not be the best because I'm not entirely convinced about how motivated he's going to be to go out there and have the great matches. Now, I'd obviously love mm. to be proved wrong, but... We're, t- you know, we're mentioning all these things like his heyday and everything else, and it's just like we forget how long he's been out, and he may look in physically great shape, 
we've seen The Rock come back and then get blown up very, very quickly in those kind of long, drawn-out main events. And that's the fucking rock we're talking about here. <laughs> so, like, Christian, this is going to be, like, incredibly hard. Yeah. To that point, you know, black and white, and I know it's a ridiculous statement either way, who's more likely to be AEW's rock, Christian or Andrade? You know, I know, I know it's probably not going to happen for Andrade either, but that's the guy you t- type of guy you take the risk on. Uh, you know, bring him in with mm. Selena Vega, and you know, there's money there. You know, I, I I joked about it on Friday, JP, but like I really, to be honest, the only Andrade I've seen is the take the amazing takeover matches, and then I'd, I'd jump in for like those great Rey Mysterio rando matches he'd have mm. on like a SmackDown. So for me, he's completely undamaged goods. Um, I know, obviously, WWE booked him terribly, but he's the type of person where you can kind of forgive it, can't you? You can. You can kind of go, okay, yeah, yeah. WWE didn't know what they had, but he could still be a difference-making star, you know, elsewhere. And again, smart money. He probably ends up Ring of Honor or New Japan if if they ever do let him leave. But if I'm AW, yeah, that's where I throw my big money. I, even you know, as the chats mentioned, Jeff Hardy, you know, Jeff Hardy's contract's coming due soon. They're going to be tempted to bring him in as well. And like that's when it's like, oh, come on, lads, now you're TNA. Um, which yeah, even you know, if say they didn't bring in Christian, they didn't bring in Big Show. The likes of Sean Spears, some of those names like Sean Spears wearing around. You might be able to make an argument for a few-week run for Jeff Hardy to do a couple of things with Darby Allen, then fuck off again. Jeff Hardy comes in now. That's when you start to look like TNA because you've yeah, you you've fell into that little trap of of just kind of taking these these guys when that when when they're available. It doesn't just because they're available, I suppose, doesn't mean you necessarily have to bring them in. And also, you've got to think about it as well. And like AEW is a company that, again, this is this is assumptions, but their fan base is built on disgruntled WWE fans who don't want to watch that product anymore, and independent wrestling fans who know a lot of the, you know, the all the guys who were on that first All In show and things, you know, you know things like that. It's you know the the the, the core AEW fan base is people who don't want to be seeing the same recycled people filter through what they want to see is the next generation. They want to see these guys given the profile, maybe the ones who did go get signed up to NXT or in WWE and didn't get that opportunity. They weren't booked right. They weren't used properly. They had much more in the tank than they were allowed to, to show. And, you know, they're the ones who, the the audience is probably going to be a bit more forgiving about and want to sort of like get behind and, and support a, a bit more as well. And I think the more that you bleed WWE superstars into the AEW product. It's, you know, you potentially, you know, biting the hand that feeds you almost because you're going to alienate some people as well because it's certainly, you know, it if, like you say there, if suddenly Jeff Hardy shows up and then if suddenly some other, you know, mm-hmm. WWE main roster yeah, person has been around for a so, Yeah, yeah, you know, something, something like that. Suddenly thinking about is like, what is this company? Can is this the company that I that that I thought it was? And I don't want to, you know, the reason I want to watch this company is because I don't want to see these guys on my TV screen every week because I've been bored of watching them for the last twenty years. Kind, you know, go, you know, going through that. I want to see something that's new, that's fresh, that's some different characters booked and written in a different way and things. And you know, definitely, um, you know, definitely adds doubts doubts to the to the mix if they go down that route. Now, you know, let's see. Like I say, I'm always one to sort of say, yeah. let's give it a bit of time. Let's give it, you know, a month or two, mm. see how it goes. That the Omega thing could be a one and done, bang, there you go. And then Christian's totally pointed in a different way altogether. Alter, and he's and he's got an entirely different focus. But um, but yeah, the, 
the initial signs of this signing and the way he's been portrayed so far in these first two and, yeah. and, and the first sort of angle doesn't, you know, doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth this week coming off the back of that, you know, a decent, okay pay-per-view with a, you know, shitty, shitty ending that got everyone a bit more on the neg- negative side of things. Well, I mean, the thing that made it worse as well, because the other big story of Dynamite is, you know, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, but the, the thing that made it worse was it came in the midst of all of that. It came in the midst mm. of, you know, we can talk about the, the other promo in a minute, but Eddie Kingston coming coming to the ring and cutting a promo on, on Kenny Omega and getting into a fist fight with them, getting saved by John Moxley. And you're thinking in your head, you know, Eddie Kingston, again, he's someone who's been around forever, but he's fresh, you know, on a mainstream stage. He's someone people genuinely get behind, who can talk you into any fight. How many people were watching that going, ooh, that's interesting, that. Oh, maybe we'll get Kenny and Eddie at some point. Instead, those lads all, all square off, go off brawling into the crowd. Kenny's left in. And then Christian walks out doing his, you know, 2005 MySpace salute pose. <laughs> And like calmly walks down to the ring, and then kind of gets physical with Omega, but it's it's all a bit of a a damn squib. It's like he, just by comparison, like he looked bad. Uh, even if they just had him join the brawl with all of them, and it'd been like a big crazy brawl, and you know he was just the new baby face coming in to make the save. And rather than him facing off with Kenny, Kenny kind of challenges him. I actually think there might be a way that make the optics look better with this, but I think even the way they did it just made Christian look like the old man who's in the way. Because um, I, I I couldn't look at that segment and not wish for Eddie Kingston, uh, you know, in the spot. Even if, like, you know, like you say, Gareth, it, it's probably one and done. It's probably a dynamite, you know, title defense. I still think the optics are bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I, 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 especially as well on a show like this when they were doing different things with new talent as well mm. throughout it at points where you're liking what they're doing and the way they're utilizing people mm. this feels like in a football sense your club has made a big money signing of a player with a with a kind of a reputation but you know they're kind of past their peak and you're thinking they're on big money mm. this is may not work out the mm. route we should be going down is young fresh talent which you develop and They'll obviously come at a cheaper price, but you try and work them through. It's like that's mm. what you do, um, yeah. And 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 like you say, I mean, there's loads of other stuff on the show that that I kind of in, enjoyed for this, and mm. and it's not like Christian's going to be used on elevation to kind mm. of boost YouTube numbers or dark. Even I can't, I, I don't know if I see those situations happening. By which point, you're not even getting that out of it, mm. are you? I just seen in the chat Christian is Alexis Sanchez. It's like <laughs> not the Alexis Sanchez at Arsenal. The United well, certainly not. Yeah, yeah. The one at United. <laughs> Trust yeah. me, we all did badly out of that deal. We got Mikatarian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose on on that point with uh, with Kingston, I mean that is the other, you know, the other headline story coming out of Dynamite. Like he was involved in that that segment that did unfortunately lead to uh, to Christian coming out, but you know, got to talk. That was the big story coming out of the pay per view last week. What did we? Uh, what do we think of the the attempt to save it? Uh, with the, I'll be honest, Moxley and, and Kingston sat on on a couch drinking whiskey with a for some reason that the table was on fire. I'm not entirely sure why, but it 
It's fucking cool. I don't care. I want to see that. I want to see that bloody cop movie um, with those two. Uh, about f- to, for you guys, did they do enough to save it? Do enough to save the story? Uh, Gareth, I know you were uh, particularly critical about it uh, last week, uh, along with all of us, really, pretty much, apart from Steph, who actually did the best at, uh, <laughs> giving a, an explanation and a save. That I feel like Eddie Kingston might have been a spotlight listener last Monday because he he definitely cribbed <laughs> some notes from uh, from Steph's. Uh, that meeting in the kebab shop really rubbed <laughs> off on him, didn't it? I think it did. I think it did. Uh, yeah, his explanation was quite similar to, uh, to what Steph was putting forth for us. I don't think Steph fully sold us last week, but did uh, did Kingston? Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought you know, like you say, that was just cool as fuck. Just seeing them two just sat on a sofa, just talking, like it was, you know. I think Natural. we talked last last week about the idea of just like, okay, well, they've just got to lean into it now and just mm. kind of, you know, just you know, say something, lean into it and like pivot away from it a bit, you know, and, you know, I think, um, I think, you know, Eddie Kingston there where he was sort of like, he, was, he moved on and he, he sort of was, you know, he's the Joker and you're Batman and Moxie's like, oh, I like that and things, you know, just having a little joke joke about it and things like, I love that, I love that line and then two just look like pretty cool together. But even the, even to be honest, the, um, the in-ring thing with Kenny, I think that, um, from like the the explanation side of things as well, where he was talking about um, I don't know making Moxley and Kingston look like a pair of ed- idiots, and it was embarrassing for them. And you know, who oh, did we mean it? Didn't we mean it? Kind of thing, you know, and just sort of like we were, you know, were, the, were we fucking you with a bit? Kind of thing. And again, we sort of talked about that last week as well. If that had been something they could have done on the night if they could have kind of like reacted quickly and just sort of called an audible and ads like, you know, Kenny almost be like, yeah, I was fucking with you kind of thing. Then it would have, um, it could have like saved it on the night of the pay-per-view as well. But I think collectively, I think that the pieces that they, they put together around it were, they worked as well as it could do. The fact that they kind of, you know, they had a bit of a laugh at themselves as well. I think that's probably the right way to treat it. And, mm. you know, if you try and kind of, I don't know, you try and defend yourself too hard kind of thing, then you look even more fucking stupid. You know, you just, you, you know, so you've kind of, I think as long as you treat people like they've got brains in the head, which, mm. you know, <laughs> the AEW audience, you know, seem to have. You know, they're not just going to eat up anything that gets um, said to them. Like, um, I don't know, your WWE audience, if they'd came out and, you know, there'd be a big chunk of people there that would just lap up whatever whatever was served their way, kind of thing. I think they handled it as best as they, as they could, and you know, they you know they knew they'd fucking laid a piece of shit at the end of that pay per view, so they've just um, yeah done done what they can with it, and yeah sort of move on from here really and just okay well let's let's pivot towards whatever happens whatever happens now with with mox and kingston let's pivot towards what happens with with kenny omega and you know take it from there and don't dwell on it you know just move on i think at some point they've got to do an exploding ring i suspect they'll do it in the middle of the football stadium if they do do it or something Mm -hmm. along those lines and they'll film it something beforehand and they'll test it out to get this enormous kind of explosion because they'll feel they'll have to deliver on it. But um, they did, they kind of did the right thing, but you can't turn chicken shit into chicken salad. It's, it's yeah. So, I mean, ultimately there's things where you're going to go, all right, but you appreciate this is the only way out of it. Mm -hmm. And if it's something where you're kind of thinking they didn't do this deliberately, this isn't just like bad booking. It's just an angle. It's just a, 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 a stunt that, that fucked up 
mm. and didn't work, and which it makes is what them look bad. Which is what mm. Tony should have done the night of. Like, I'm still disappointed in that. I'm still disappointed he tried to kayfabe journalists. Like, I, I just, I feel, I wish they'd owned yeah. it earlier, but. Well, I was listening to that on flagship when they were talking about it. I was like in agreement with them. Mm. Like like generally you wanted someone to go, like, look, come on, what's like what's the deal here? Mm. Like but he should have been saying that as well. All he needs to do is go, Yeah, it's a fuck up. We're gonna be looking into that. We're not quite sure what that is at mm. the minute. And there would be a part of me that goes, Well, that's kind of live wrestling for you. If you're doing live pay-per-views, like mm. there are these things that end up fucking up and taking away from the show. But in terms of did they I, I don't want to go back onto the Christian Cage stuff, but like it just made me think Moxley, Moxley versus uh, sorry, um, Kingston versus Omega is something I can easily get into, and the fact that Eddie can take losses, mm. but his character kind of determines that he can always come back very easily. And there's someone who's an upper mid carder where you can have a really great baby face, one last going for the world title that's always eluded him and people like w- weren't going to get it as if it's like a kind of Mick Foley-esque run mm. I honestly a god think you can do that do that with Eddie Kingston not with like a Christian Cage and again I don't want to bring <laughs> no, it up on there. and and that's yeah it, and that's kind of I but I, I'd be almost serious to the point where I think there's he has enough credibility where you could put that title on Eddie Kingston He's- I'm not saying you do it with Kenny Omega or anything else but no. like there is a there is a chance where you could do something like that and i think they've kind of managed to move it almost on to to kind of eddie kingston as well and they're going to go into the kind of tag match stuff that i think they create enough distance as long as they kind of own the mistake from here on out and don't yeah. try and like whitewash it from history and stuff like that that's probably the way to go that's it and i, I you know to your point about credibility like Kingston's the only man on earth who has the credibility with me to be able to be like, oh yeah, you know, I was having a flashback to you know my younger days when like I was you know in prison or whatever. I, you know, that you said JP, the material wasn't good, but it was the delivery that carried it, and that that's it, and that kind of draws a line. Even down to you know the, the all the you know the stuff in ring with with uh, with Kenny and and Don Callis and the sixty nine me Don stuff. You know they they were great too. You know uh, uh, in like making lighter the situation and. You know, Kenny throwing some doubt on whether, you know, we really meant for the ring to not explode or not. Although, if you read this week's Observer, you'll know he definitely wasn't. I don't think he was happy in real life that, that Tony Khan tried to shift the blame onto him because he made clear in the Observer, no, it was just a malfunction and I was as angry about it as anybody else. Um, but in character, it does make sense to, to kind of go that route mm. with him. And to be fair, it led to two very entertaining segments. Let you say, let you say that. That, mm. that sit-down interview was great. And, you know, again, Christian issues aside... That whole in-ring segments with, like you say, with Eddie going up against them. Don Callis, who doesn't get talked about enough as one of the great talkers in AEW, which tells you everything about how stacked the the the, the level of talkers there are in AEW that he might not even be in the top ten. Um, but I thought he was great, and you know, maybe with a little bit of a wink and a nudge, uh, explaining this thing away. And yeah, I think as we've all said, they've done as good a job, I think, as you possibly could um, to to do something with this, considering. One, the cards they were dealt, and two, maybe their their bad um, way of dealing at the weekend of the pay-per-view. I think now we can all kind of draw a line under it. We're going to laugh about it, and it's going to be a joke, and it's going to come up over time. It's going to be in 
the Botchermania Hall of Fame. It's going to be a constant source of embarrassment and something you can make light of AEW with. But yeah, as far as trying to put, draw a line on things and move on, I think that's what they did well this Dynamite. I think they did a good job of maybe shifting on um, to different things and, and different talking points. Yeah, I think there was, it, it was very much, like in many ways, it almost just sort of felt like, you know, to draw the WWE comparison a bit like kind of night after WrestleMania, didn't it really? There was just so yeah. many just different things that were happening there where it was like, okay, it was like that chapter's closed. Now let's, you know, we started another book because there was probably about four or five different new feuds wasn't there or new things that were, you know, spawning out of it where they've, they've right. You've changed the direction from the, from the different th- um, things that are happening here. So again, it had that element of like freshness to it and mm-hmm. like intrigue. Whereas we've had some storylines that have, you know, they've, dragged on a little and you know in some instances they're, they're they're still overlapping there but there's some new things there to get you get your teeth into as well and start thinking about with two which was which was good but i mean obviously you know one of the main things was was obviously that that end segment with the, yes. the inner circle and obviously we've been you know we've been talking about this for weeks or months as it seems now and we've been waiting for the jericho face turn and we very much felt like it was going to become almost like in isolation or him and Sammy Guevara kind of thing. But, you know, the way it was done was a major positive for me there at the at the end of the show. Like, I I, I loved that because it certainly wasn't something that I kind of, like, considered that they'd go, um, they'd, they'd go the, the whole new stable route around MJF. And I think bringing, you know, bringing those guys in the, in the mix together, it just felt like, instantly felt like quite a good fit for me and felt mm-hmm. like it was going to be something that was going to be a good... Again, we talked last week about needing to, you know, kick on Sammy Guevara now as a, as a face, and then kick on Ortiz and Santana and give them a bit more of a, you know, a bit more of a push as a tag team. Whereas, you know, you'd assume they're going to then be going into a run with with FTR and things like that as well. So, you know, presumably they'll, you know, put on some some really strong matches as as well. So, whereas the whole MGF Jericho thing had, was starting to feel a bit stale and you were ready for that change suddenly now actually you know keeping a lot of the same components in place suddenly even that feels like very fresh and very intriguing and it sort of like gives you gives you an idea of some like different different routes that that people can go down as well and just within that segment the one thing that just stood out for me was just how fucking awesome Wardlow looked as well in that he just looked like a paired with Jericho for a reason as well yeah yeah one-on-one time yeah he just looked like a, a superstar I, I was just looking at him at the end and i was thinking here you go this is the guy this is going to be the you know the, the the crossover guy almost you know the one that's going to get like more eyeballs on the product like further down the line because he just looks like a uh, he, he looks like a superstar and you know as long as they they haven't overexposed him to to any degree they just sort of keep him on the fringe of these things and he's is involved in them and he gets to do like some big elements in you know little little things like this and um yeah he, he just looked great so you know hopefully again this is just like the next kick on in his evolution as uh, as well obviously ultimately working towards the uh, the mgf split further down the line but it almost buys like another 12 months probably as well to mm-hmm. that's going to give that that long-term feel and he's going to be even more ready for when that comes as well as a result yeah. of working with jericho and things like that now as well so again just just as as the show ended that like what a good taste that left in my mouth from a uh, you know an intrigue and you know not being able to uh, wait for for next week's show 
Yeah, it all moves Jericho. So I was going to say one of the things. There's so much to like about it. Even mm. if you think logically, it makes doesn't make too much sense for MJF to kind of join the inner circle to then realise they were going to do this and then destroy them from within. Mate, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah I, I think you can explain yeah, that. I think I think he just you can say he tried it. He tried and he failed, or he tried yeah. and he was going to turn on them anyway. He was just going to make them turn on each other and then he was going to beat them up. You know, I don't I don't think it's yeah. too hard to explain from a heel but, logic anyway. But the dynamic is really interesting because mm. the inner circle don't effectively change who they are, which mm. is nice. And they're paired up against proper heels, people who feel like they're all going to get booed. It feels like FTR work as proper heels. Sean Spears, look, for me, all right, and I'm going to say, like, you need someone to take the fall. You need someone who's going to submit a la, a la Larry Zabisco in the Blood and Guts match. You know, yeah, when they do their wrestling, it is a five on five match boot. as well. It's a five on five match. It works well with after it. that. I, I will <laughs> say with the MJF stuff, and I know this is the highest of praise. There was a great, there was an obvious kind of horseman esque vibe to course, it, yeah. and it kind of shows the level of faith in MJF as being that kind of talk. And I loved how, while it was all hell kicking off in the ring, he just sat on the corner post with that kind of still reaction, kind of being above it all. And that, for me, was the thing that kind of reminded me of what a Flair... Like, uh, Flair wouldn't always do stuff like that. But the idea of him being kind of separate, different, better. And, like, just the whole kind of inter... Uh, like, personal di- dynamics for, for everything. It kind of works. It, it makes Proud and Powerful now, all of a sudden, a lot more interesting as faces. Mm. And partly, I think, since Spring Stampede, especially, because it was so much comedy. Like... We we can move away from these kind of just pronouncement and interview segment that involves the inner circle, and there'd be this stuff. It feels like actually they're not going to just stand there cutting promos against each other because they want Chris Jericho on the show. It feels like they're just going to have like a fucking massive brawl, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of more into that. And it's I love the fact that the blood and guts match, which I imagine is going to be the blow off at the next kind of pay per view, and it kind of Got should be, um, is that that is, you know, it doesn't involve the elite. It's mm. really fascinating for me. They've managed to create this kind of big storyline and it doesn't involve any of, like, the kind of original founders of the company. I, I, that in and of itself just adds so much intrigue to me. For yeah, this. So I, yeah, I love this angle. That was great. I absolutely loved it too. And, yeah, for all the reasons you've, you've both really said there, I would... I'll be the absolute low on having Gavin Spears involved. I know it makes sense, and it goes back to you know the MJF, you know back when they were betting in the crowd, as Liam said, you know all of that stuff. And you know he's a Tully guy, and you know you need a fifth guy. I don't know. It's the same argument as Swagger for me, though. It's like yes, he can do the job, but literally, and I'm not even exaggerating. Any other wrestler in AEW could do the job. Any name one, they'll do it. Any of them would 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 have bigger upside. Okay, yeah, he can do the job, but you know where does he go from there? Nowhere. You know, any other wrestler will probably benefit from that. That that limelight, similar to you know, I've always said about Bob Hager, um, as competent he is as the as the muscle. Put any other muscle guy in there who might actually you know be able to kick on after this angle is done. It's it's better for me. But that that aside, yeah, I mean, I can't I can't argue with the way it was. Executed for me, I think the logic overall holds up. I think using Sammy as the one who you know 
was uh, doing the film and backstage is kind of in tune with his character. You know, he was ready to turn face anyway, so now he's a face. As you said, JP, you know, proud and powerful, LAX's baby faces has, you know, got to galvanize them. They've been a, a mild disappointment in AW, but only just because, similar to Phoenix and Pentagon, they've maybe played the background a little bit and been waiting their turn, you know, to be the, the push tag team act. I think you can really do that as a babyface. And, you know, Jericho and the whole singing his song stuff that I can't I can't deal with the people in the front row doing, like, what's that MTV show about lip syncing, doing that in the front row? It's the, the worst, worst thing in the world, especially when he was a heel. At least you can excuse that now as, like, a as a babyface, you know, doing the best lip sync battle um, in the front row. I hate all that stuff. But at least if he's a face, you know, uh, I can live with it a bit more. And Jericho is an aging Terry Funk type in in AEW. I think there's at this point in his career, you know, bearing in mind as well, I don't actually think he's got that long left on his AEW deal. I'm sure he'll resign. He seems very invested in the company. Uh, I think if anything, they're setting up to be a commentator long term, aren't they? I've got some misgivings about that, but you know, um, I think he's transitioning. You know, to, to that point in his life, I think not not too far from now get that last bit of juice out of him as a as a as a Terry Funk style babyface and yeah I think that's that's the best possible use of him as well. It just it aligns so many people perfectly. It like you've said, FTR even, yeah. you know, as as heels, as as a tag team. They've looked much stronger the last few months now that a featured act in a in a proper heel stable, getting to do their you know their best impression of the four horsemen in a war games. You know them two are gonna be fucking loving that. Um mm. yeah, I think we've got great things to come with this feud. So yeah. The pieces couldn't have landed in in, in any better places. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and what you, I mean, just on your point about Gavin Spears there or Sean Spears, whatever he's called these days, like, like everybody can't go somewhere, and like you always need some, like you know, he come in and say there about on the back of this, where does it go from here? For him, out of the back of this, it can be he goes down kind of thing, and he just you know he's, mm. he disappears, and he's just somebody who's you know he's losing, and he's you know he's he's on dark, or eventually somebody whose contracts you know cut kind of thing or something like that. Like Can't come I, I just I, you know I, I look at things like that, but it's just like I don't know. You do you need these people? You need these people who fill a space and and can mm. lose, and then and and they don't have to mean anything, and they don't have to be going anywhere as well. You know, you you still even in the these, even in these roles, you still need people to to serve that purpose, and he's fine there for me. Like he's, you know, he's he's, he's gonna he's gonna do the job, and then you know, it, coming out at the back of this, it's different people who the focus are going to be on, and they're going to be carrying the company forward. So yeah, you can slip back into that coaching role backstage or whatever it might be that is uh, hanging around for. And yeah, just. Uh, just uh, don't, don't be too hard on old Sean Spears there, Ben. Yeah. I just don't want him to have any yeah. food on his table, mate. You not know me? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, I see your point. I, I mean, it's, it's the EWR thing, and though I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't assign them in the first place. Um, but <laughs> I suppose once you've got him, yes, you know, I see the points. You know, use him on dark, use him in roles like that as the, as the, as the losing guy. Um, as the chatter points out, he is, uh, he is Cody's pal as well. Um, interesting. Someone notes like the inner circle interview segment could be the the reason. You know, for the figures being heard, like the numbers, um, that that was the point early on, wasn't it, with AW that like when they went really heavy on matches that they thought talky segments will lose lose if i remember from the observer rightly this week it was pretty much you know we said it was like the seven 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 hundred forty three thousand for the for the show mm. it was kind of consistently that right through from the opening segment to the closing segment they didn't really get anything resembling a peak maybe that's what it was missing you know a big match to go along with the big angle and and again like we said at the 
at the start with all that stuff sometimes you take your licks sometimes it's worth it it's worth maybe losing you know a few a few thousand viewers you know who aren't gonna turn the channel over for an angle rather than a match because you know it's gonna pay off like this one as far as you know getting that big match down the line and that investment in in the different sides as a as far as characters go um i mean from that point of view do you guys have any big takes on any of the in-ring stuff you know on this show um and anything stand out for you guys i suppose we got a uh, we got the uh, the other jackson uh, against phoenix this time uh, on the show matt and phoenix uh match that uh, i think melter gave 4.25 stars in the observer um four and a half i think he gave it actually um, it was three <laughs> three something star match for me but a fun tv match i enjoyed that and also enjoyed um getting to see um scorpio sky in there with, with darby allen i thought that was a a solid uh I probably preferred that of the two um, as a like a three and a half star ish kind of match. Yeah, I, I went three point two five on that Matt Jackson Ray Phoenix match. I, I was just when it started, I was really disappointed. I had it in my head that it was going to be Nick Jackson against Ray Phoenix. I don't know why. I'd, <laughs> that was that's kind of in my head. So I was thinking like, oh yeah, on the back of uh, on the back of this pay per view, they're going to open the show and have some like mm. four and a half star match there that's just going to blow everyone away to start the show, and suddenly everyone's got something else to talk about. Like it's. It's averaging at three point seven seven on the app, so people liked it more than more than I did. But yeah, I don't know. It was it was as a, as a match that was you know that was it, it, to me. It just felt a bit slow at points and a bit kind of like I don't know, a bit too dancey and th- you know, in, in in terms of the way it was put together and things like that. So didn't quite click with me. But yeah, I was I was very much the same as same as you. But I know that the the Scorpio Sky Darby Allen match was the one that you know jumped out um, much more. You know, for me they. They um, it felt like they had real great chemistry um, mm. between uh, between them. They 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 just seemed to just click. There was just something about the the way they worked together that was just really really um, really smooth. And then um, and then I don't know. There was just some like great spots. Like there was the you know when Scorpio counted that two piece procedure into that cutter on the outside. Yeah. That was fucking mm. cool. It was like really really good. There was a great like a nice. Um, coffin drop spot as well um, that, that i really liked as as well and you know i think um i think that um yeah it, it just generally in as the in-ring match of the night that was the one that cut through for me but on the app it's only like 3.63 so people like the uh, people like the opener uh, more than that one in in, in the main personnel but, isn't it um mm. there, there you go yeah yeah i think there's the d- different people involved there but i just i just, I just like it, it was again it was just something to me that just built on the way that from day one, almost the way they've presented Scorpio Sky, and they've kind of like latched onto him, getting over in the in the in the early days of AEW. Like he got over with the live crowds, and they seem to have done like a good job with him. I think they've they've kept him looking strong and like credible, and giving him them in ring opportunities to shine. And then even after the injury that he's had, now this coming back with this kind of more like arrogant persona and you know that sort of heelish edge and things like that. It just seems like a just a good sort of kick on to the to the character, and he looks like someone who there's there's a lot of value with, and you can kind of see in the next twelve months again, he's one of these others who's, you know, deserving of the spots to be you know pushed forward into you know more so than a Christian or somebody like that, and mm-hmm. you know he, he feels like when he's given these opportunities to be put in a bit of spotlight. He kind of grabs them, and he, he, you know, he sort of delivers. You know, delivers at the level he needs to um, for the for the match that he's that he's been put into as well. So, you know, I think he's someone that I'm I'm pretty optimistic about for the for the future. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and also, shout out, sorry, just a shout out from a couple of things in the chat. The Pentagon promo 
mm. and the brawl with Cody. Mm. That was bloody good fun. Mm. And seeing Pentagon do that now, something you've been talking a lot about, Ben, I was wanting to see that, like that version of Pentagon. Mm-hmm. And that felt something that was like kind of closer to that Lucha underground presentation where mm. it wasn't as kind of theatrical as he can be in the ring when he's doing his specific spots, like taking off his gloves and things like that. It was a bit more like he came out and, you know, he's doing the commentary on there. And it was, mm. it was good for having the translator to get around the fact that his English isn't great is really good because phoenix has always been one as you found out firsthand when you bought a t-shirt <laughs> phoenix is the english speaker pentagon is not uh well i'm told yeah. it's a bit of a work actually um <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it, I, I would still prefer because i think there was a little bit of a comedic edge to it it was funny don't get me wrong as a segment um that dude whoever he is he, he appears on bte sometimes I, I don't even know what his name is um he's another one of them faceless interviews they've got backstage but you know it wasn't a bad use of him and it was yeah it was mildly amusing i would rather see uh you know maybe going forward you know if this code the angle gets heated up you want to see more of like a killer pentagon so i'd love to see the return of like the subtitle promos he did in lucha underground and impact but you know mild complaint really because it's a huge huge step in the right direction like we've been saying you know right the way through just move Penta and phoenix away from each other i thought it was odd that they've gone with phoenix and um pack as the tag team um, but actually, if it's leading to this, and we're getting these, you know, these one these singles matches with the books, um, with with Pack and Phoenix, and two, we're getting Pentagon moved away into his own thing with Cody, where he can be his own man and his own character, rather than kind of the Shindy Lucha guy. I think he comes across as sometimes when he's teaming with Phoenix, and it's just really about the moves and the spots. Um, I think it's it's a win, and it's fresh, isn't it? You know, like we keep saying, you know, about like that like you said at the top, Gareth, about this being feeling like a Raw after Mania that's another really fresh program you wouldn't have you wouldn't have put them two together cody and pentagon or something that you want to see but actually yeah it's interesting something interesting for cody to sink his teeth into and again it's good for good for penta uh so penta says maybe that can be the uh, the title of this podcast this week uh, that was uh, <laughs> that was good stuff it was yeah. And then the other thing, obviously, like where we talk about different storylines pivot out of it as well, was obviously Lance Archer um, interrupting the Sting interview and coming out there and just seeing a uh, Jake the Snake uh, behind Lance Archer. Nice. But I was there, oh, I just had to spin the wheel, make the deal running through my head there. I was thinking, come on, <laughs> like, let's uh, let's let's drag let's drag that out and let's. Uh, Jake let's, was giving him a look. In. Jake was yeah, definitely yeah. like playing that off. <laughs> I was thinking that there's, there's some stuff to to lead into there definitely so that that was something that i enjoyed and i thought you'd have enjoyed um orange cassidy's choice of arcade game to be set up Benno. What was and it was, it was a it was a, it was a fast and furious game oh was it i thought you'd have been all over that no i didn't even spot i didn't know there was a game <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to get on that <laughs> oh. you of all people should know that i know I um, and also we've had some breaking Breaking news in the chat that Layla Hirsch has signed mm. with AEW. Yeah, which um, is good. Dark elevations there, and literally as we speak. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's an announcement on there. Yeah, she's great, isn't she? She totally. I mean, I've yeah. been saying it all along. I mean, uh, she's very. You know, like like you've said, Gareth, she's very young, um, and she's very yeah. fresh and needs like TV seasoning. But I think we can all see the potential that's there um few t- few calls uh from our listeners to throw it in that in that taz stable i still think that'd be a good idea make it a silent killer for a while um she is very sympathetic is the only thing you know being being so young and being so short that maybe goes against it but i don't know i feel like a little, little bit of a little bit of motivational words from taz and a little bit of advice i think she'd slot right into there. there's something to do quietly with her until you do want to pull the trigger with it later on 
just get her to change her work. Mm. Just get her to work like much more of those kind of, basically trying to see if she can work like Taz and ECW. Just fucking suplexes around the place, crushing a few people on dark and elevation, getting those mm. kind of wins up, showing a kind of killer instinct. And that's more what you do. And you get cut. Yeah. Mm. And then you get Taz cutting those promos. Mm. Like that's the way. I mean, it's a long-term project, but someone you're going to, you know, develop as a long-term star there. Layla Hirsch kind of mm. has it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'd like to say, like to say, Ben, I, I feel like when when she's been on there so far, there's there's been something about her from like whether it's a confidence point of view or whether it's just a not being quite ready for TV. It's, I don't know. Some of the positions that I've seen in so far, I definitely think she needs she needs a bit more experience and a bit more development. She's certainly someone like long-term. You can see that there's some some mileage in there and, you know, what you guys are saying there about the, the team tells thing. Mm. I think just surrounding her with other people, that's only going to help her just get mm. a bit more confidence and put her, you know, put her in them situations where there is a bit of support. There is some people she can learn from a bit more and, yeah, and things like that. And um, yeah, I mean, maybe a, maybe like a, a heel run in the first instance where she's destroying a few people a bit more, where she's given license to come out and be a bit more aggressive and things like that. That'll like build it within herself. But, you know, to me, she's, she looks like somebody who it's, you know, multiple years down the line for me that she's going to be uh, emerging rather than someone I'm necessarily getting excited about like now, this year or anything like that. Yeah. One other point I was going to make out just on Dynamite was uh, with Ethan Page as well. Um, he's not had a, first, a good first week or so, I don't think. Like Ethan Page is someone who, he, I promise you, he's a killer promo. <laughs> he's got it in him. Um, this th- That pay-per-view where he kind of faded into the background and then Dynamite this week where he cut a really rigid backstage promo that the the intercut in with his really bang average match with with lee johnson um i don't know what's going on with him he's coming out smiling and he's just like yep yeah, i am i'm generic body guy wrestler ethan page uh hopefully they're gonna maybe maybe it's a false dawn and they're gonna flip the switch with them and he's gonna come out and kill darby allen and we'll get that evolve um storyline over again or something um yeah mild disappointment for me with him so far but again it's, it's only been a week it's been two segments um let's hope you know, uh, you do want to make a good first impression, though. You know, and I don't think he has made the best first impression. Let's hope the yeah, you know, there is a a longer term plan there rather than just being guy who comes out for matches and cuts kind of wooden promos um, that we got with him on Dynamite this week. Um, no, I'd, 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 I'd agree. I'd, I'd agree with you there, Benno. Like like you say, it's it's only a week, but mm. that first impression, you know, does count massively. And he's somebody that you know I was pretty excited about him coming in because yeah, he is somebody who's got like charisma in spades. You know, is somebody who can who I thought within the AW setting and the way that they've done things from an interview standpoint that he'd really you know he'd jump out and he'd stand out from the pack. But it doesn't look like he's going to be somebody who um, who's done that in the first two but yeah let's uh let's give him a month if we're saying the same in a month's time then yeah hide him away on dark you know can he have a triple threat with christian cage and brian cage as well then i mean well, just to get i was gonna page, say cage and cage can he just have sean spears as job um but yeah let's <laughs> let's not go back to that um yeah just slightly disappointing as a as an ethan page fan but yeah he does seem a little bit uh 
little bit, little bit lost as far as what he is as a character so far. Hopefully, we we get that corrected course soon. But yeah, plenty of uh, of talking points there come out, out of Dynamite. That's when you know it's been a an interesting week uh, in AW. As I say, uh, Elevation is a uh, error at the moment. If there's any other breaking news, uh, we will let you know. But yeah, we should uh, move over to some of the uh, the other stuff uh, we've been watching last this last week. And yeah, I believe we've all uh, been doing a bit of a a big catch up session uh, with the new Japan Cup um, and getting going and. You know what? It feels like faint praise, but been better than I expected. <laughs> I was uh, mm. I, I was dreading today, kind of coming round and thinking, oh, I've got to got to dig in here and and you know at least watch like the recommended matches on Grapple. And I watched the entire second round, and I had pretty much a a good time right through. A couple of duds in there, but overall, um, yeah, a good looking tournament. And it's feeling right now, like we talked about Gareth last week, the uh, the Shingo Cup uh, could well be coming to to fruition too. I know uh, you went back and uh, you've been catching up on uh, the full cup, haven't you? That you You've seen both the first and the uh, the second round. Now you've uh, you've fully caught up with it. Yeah, I've watched. I've watched mm-hmm. everything. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I say everything. I haven't been watching the six mans or anything like that. I've gone through and watched all the uh, the first round and second round matches. Um, but like, I'm the same as you. Like, mm-hmm. it's honestly felt like a breath of fresh air to to me. And I was, I've as I've gone through the catch up, it hasn't felt like a slog. I've been, mm-hmm. I've been in, like. Like excitedly wanting to watch kind of like the next day's matches that came out of it, really. And you know, I think it's, um, I think a big part of it has been obviously there's no Ibushi in there. Um, Akada that got out of there quite early, Naito got out of there very early as well. So, where we've had this kind of stasis at the top of the card, really, for New Japan for a while, and uh, evil and evil aside, there's been just some very familiar faces up there at the top of top end, um, you know. What we've seen so far, although there's been some repeated matchups in there, it just feels like the focus has just shifted to a few different people, and people have, you know, some other people have been maybe getting a bit longer to work without working too long, and it just feels like there's, I don't know, some, some, I don't know, fresh matches, fresh feel to it all, and you know, I've generally just, you know, felt pretty kind of on a high and, and pretty positive really as I've, as I've watched things as well. And I mean, it remains to be seen once we get through to the, the business end of the tournament now, but I feel like the bullshit has been dialed back massively as well, which is something that obviously has absolutely littered new Japan for the last 18 months to even longer probably. But I feel like the, the, you know, outside interference stuff has been pretty minimal. You know, obviously it's been involved in certain instances, but it hasn't been something that's been absolutely overbearing. Where it, whereas, you know, in, in in recent times, especially in New Japan tournaments, it's felt like something like it's just been this kind of stain that's hung around it, where you're just almost waiting to get to the end of the match before, um, you know, somebody jumps in and hits a low blow or something like that. You know, it's you know, I've I've really really enjoyed it. What did you make of the um, um, Shingo Okada match that uh, got all those ratings on Grapple? I went, I, I was struggling with it. I-, I enjoyed it, but I didn't think it was. I don't know. I, I saw people like I saw five star ratings out there for it. Um, I wouldn't go that far with it, but it, you know, it was a that was that was the first match I've seen come out of this tournament where there's been you know a little bit of a buzz and a little bit of you know people kind of being high on on New Japan. I think that's kind of 
maybe what maybe you reset expectations for this tournament a little bit and made us all a little bit more interested in it um like i, I went 4.25 on it in the end um so maybe i'm not as high as as some or are out there but that was the match for me that made this feel like okay yeah this is a tournament of significance it also gave me that false hope of oh maybe it's the shingo cup um but yeah i really enjoyed that one even if i wasn't as high as, a, as some on the app where'd you go on that one jp so yeah, and maybe it's just me. I went four stars on it. Maybe mm. I need to go back and watch it again. I don't know what it was. It, it, like, it was very, very good, but I, I, I thought I preferred the G1 match, and that was mm. the one where it had Shingo selling the money kit clip brilliantly. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know what it was about it. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's one of these things where I watched it and I was quite tired, mm. and I was doing like a bit of a catch up, and it was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, so it, it just. I, it's not that it's, you know, I don't know whether or not Kevin Kelly kind of constantly banging on about the the kind of discs in his back and other stuff like that was something that just slightly <laughs> may well have just rankled with me in a weird way. But compared to like Zach versus Osprey, which I really enjoyed, I mean, I've seen, of the stuff I've seen of it, everything kind of veers from basically, what I've cherry-picked is like three and a half through to like 4.25 that I went for for Zach and Osprey as well. Um, and I just wanted to kind of make the point, there's lack of LIJ generally in this mm. is something like, as in Maybe playing up the stable aspect. Mm. I think that's something that's really helped because when you take away that kind of, they're just they've just been so fucking overbearing is what it's been mm. like for such a long time, that group and the storyline and everything. And it felt like this tournament is the first time where there's a bit of a clean break from it. Mm. I think at times I, I struggle with some of the kind of more tropey aspects of new Japan matches because they're coming so sort of uh, um, like hot and heavy, but the quality has been of a better standard than I thought. I mean, I don't know you guys, I imagine were much higher on a card of Shingo than, than I was. I just think Shingo generally is like, he, if you're going to bet on someone to be wrestler of the year, he's the one mm. at this point, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, did you say you went 4.25 on it better? Yeah. I think like I, 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 I went 4.25 on it as well. That's like, that's where I was at. It's, you know, it's, it's 4.26 on the app currently, you know, oh, so yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's averaging out there. To be fair, I was probably in that four to 4.25 bracket when I was rating it. And, you know, God, what's, mm. what's a quarter, what's a quarter of a star when you're kind of like getting it, getting at them levels. But I think I just didn't, I think something that just really resonated with me was just, I, f- I think the way Shingo was presented, it just felt like he was, he was elevated again, like another kind of notch and a tier. He looked even more credible, kind of thing. It was like he'd it 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 taken a step up in his you know his star power and his his offense. I think sort of like the the pace and explosiveness of it, and you know what he was you know what he was able to do to a card, and how dominant he was able to look against a card in in a few different places. Again, I don't know if that was just feeding into. No, it wasn't your you know, typical my, Okada my, my, match, was it? It wasn't. It was there, there was more of a struggle, like like Okada was more on the back foot yeah and and you know I, th- I think that was something that i definitely enjoyed and i think especially on the back of you know where we've recent conversations that we've had about you know with L- some of laj being out of the picture some of their store you know their main event sort of push coming to an end and things like that is this the time for shingo now this year to to come forward especially on the the back of some of the great matches he's had over the last 18 months as well it just kind of felt like 
again, where we talk about that freshness, it felt like there was almost like a freshness to Shingo as well, that it was like, okay, like, I don't know, he felt like he had a bit of a rocket oh. strapped to him a little bit in, in in this match and sort of like subsequently in his, you know, later on in the tournament as well, it does feel like there's a bit more confidence and, you know, elevation in him and it remains to be seen what happens with the, the rest of the tournament. But, you know, so, you know, again, we discussed this the other day, if we're trying to pick out somebody now who's going to, you know, freshen up the main event scene in New Japan and kick things forward, Shingo's the guy you want to be going with just based on match quality alone. And obviously, but he backs it up by that natural charisma he has around it. And, mm. you know, you know that dr- he draws you in, that personality he's got. But just the matches he put on, it's, it's, it's so consistent. Mm. Did you also hear his promos? After the after the matches, like the reaction the fans are giving, you know when it's like him closing the show because I saw it the one mm-hmm. against Goto as well. They're reacting, mm-hmm. they're reacting to his match. They're reacting to his matches like they would do a main eventer mm-hmm. in this current clap crowd era. And I think that says a lot. I think that crowd are willing to see him that way. And I saw a comment earlier on. It's those little things he does between the matches, which is something I was specifically looking for for Goto, where it might be the case of banging his face or just clenching his fists in certain ways just in order to elicit a bit more of a reaction from mm-hmm. him. And it's just like, my God, he's absolutely incredible. I know when we had Alan on, it was one of the things where he was, you know, saying, well, you know, Chingo isn't going to be positioned up there, which I know for him, that's his favourite wrestler in the world. It's just like, if you think of someone just to freshen up that scene, mm-hmm. that main event scene, like Gareth said, just who's he going to have a bad match with? Mm. Every match you could possibly put him in there with on a big level feels like it'd be a big a big match. And yeah. my fear is that Osprey will end up going over and it'll be those two in the final because it handily then oh, rematches. <laughs> yeah, awful, isn't it? <laughs> I'll take that on, is it? I was going to say, because that... that, that Oh, go on, Think of that as a main event from recent New Japan main events. Yeah, and my yeah. God, it's just like a complete fresh air. The possibility of something like that. Mm. Well, I was going to say, I think, I think the other like highlight of these like two rounds of of New Japan stuff it is is the, the the other big matches. Osprey Zack Sabre Junior. I think as far as like people, you know, talk of it being potential, you know, match of the year candidate stuff. So, you know, so as they are the, the two main stories of this. So if they do end up in the final against each other, I think that would be that would be a good story to tell. Um but yeah, what did you just make of the uh, the Zach Osprey match as the uh, I suppose the the other big match to talk here from these rounds? Because that was one for me where, you know, we talked about it last week, JP, it was like, oh, is that coming up this weekend? Oh, I kind of just forgotten, not even realised it was happening. It was like there's any buzz behind it. And then they went out there and despite you know, everyone's reservations rightly or wrongly about those two individuals as human beings. Um, they went out there and had a match that has had people talking. You know, I'm looking at it on the app as a 4.56 average. I went four and a half. Another match where, you know, I've seen people go that go the full five. Rich Crace, the voices of wrestling. Saw him on the app going five stars there. Um, like, there's, you know, a lot of talk about that being a potential match of the year for the end of the year and maybe not at quite at that level but if I give it four and a half stars it's obviously it's in the conversation and for me it was you know every bit as good a companion um, as their match last year their, their two matches last year um, if anything it had a little bit more of a I think that you know getting that hard way blood gave it a little bit of extra juice towards the end but it was just another example of how well these two work to get together you know I mean a negative, I might say, is Osprey did kind of come across as a babyface in this match, like having to viol- valiantly beat Zack Sabre Jr. But in the 
but in the match itself, I suppose one of them has to be more face than heel when you've got two heels in there. And in the match itself, the story the story absolutely worked. You know, Zack Sabre trying to pick apart his leg and then trying to pick apart his shoulder. Um, you know, and it, and it building from there and Osprey essentially having to fight underneath as he does so well uh, in Zack Sabre Junior matches. Um, but yeah, for me it was maybe not quite the level of the two matches last year, but. And that, a lot of that's probably the crowd too, but certainly up there. And I think it was a, a worthy uh, addition to the the canon of, the, of these two working together. Yeah, and I, I think I think for me, I mean, like you, I mean, you referenced the the blood there. I think the blood for me, I think the blood hurt it a little bit because oh, okay. it because it made Osprey a bit more sympathetic at the end where, yeah, where I don't up, yeah. necessarily think he'd been positioned in that way earlier in the match you know I think I think the way the match started and then obviously Osprey with the the shoulder in- injury I think this match working as like an accompaniment to the two that had gone before mm-hmm. last year it was it was interesting because a big part of the matches last year was Osprey grappling with Zach and proving that he could kind of like hold, hold his hold his own to some degree and he could you know he could counter Zach and he could prevent Zach from tying him up up in knots and things like that 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 he'd, he'd been able to do previously and obviously been able to do with other people whereas I think this time Osprey almost like consciously steered away from that altogether and it was very much about like he just had the upper hand when it came to the striking exchanges he had more power he was landing cleaner heavier strikes on 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 Zach that Zach couldn't live with when and he was being a to- early on absolutely you know it was it, it was it was coming across <laughs> coming across like the the balance that, 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 he, that he does in them situations but then again just like the power moves as well just you know it was just it was almost like osprey was just dominating him a bit with with physical strength and to me it was almost like zach was was the one who was unable to counter and um almost like get around the fact that Osprey was so strong in 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 the striking and 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 the overall power exchanges and even when Zach got a slight window where he maybe he got hold of an arm or he got hold of a leg or something like that Osprey was still then able to to you know power out of it in in in, in some way and get the better better of him and you know I think just it, it had that slight different um dynamic to it that, that that what we saw last year and then um i think you know it felt like osprey was kind of like bullying him at points and you know a, a, again he was you know again with some of the verbals that were in there and things like that i thought osprey came across quite strong as a heel uh, uh, early on uh, within the match and but then I think the story that they're then told with Zach continuously trying to just go back to that shoulder and then mm. some of Osprey's strikes not having the same zip and the same power. It was, you know, it was almost it was almost similar to that Chiazaki Sagira match in some ways last year with the, you know, wearing down of the the arm and shoulder. So so not being able to not, not be able to, to to make it work work so well and getting that window for, for Zach to, to get in and then being able to actually get on top with some of the some of the grappling and um, some of the different holds that he was able to put on there as well. I just thought it was a nice almost like a little reversal of the dynamic in in a lot of different ways to what to what was good about those two matches. And it was, you know, it was something that, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed. Not sure. I'm the same as you. I'm not sure if I liked it as much as the two last year, but I still went four and a half stars on it. It was still a fucking great match, and you know I probably need to watch it again where I'm just watching it and not 
I don't know, I was maybe thinking about it too much, knowing that I was watching it and then going to be coming on here and talking about it today and just kind of like let it breathe a little bit when you do, when you watch it. But even again, there was still some like stuff that just stood out there as just like good little callbacks to those matches as well. There was like a European clutch spot. There, were, there was a reversal again, which was like a learning from last time. There was a powerbomb spot that was, again, a reversal that was a learning from from the previous two matches and things like that as well. So there's there's just little things in there that, again, I'd probably thought about in a bit more detail for that top 10 show, but there were just little, like, little small detail ticks in the box kind of thing that, uh, like, put a smile on my face as well. But easily the match of the um, match of the tournament so far for, mm. for me. And, like, with, like, they, they're just incapable of not having a great match. These two are they when you put them together? They they just gel so so well. The chemistry is perfect. I was reminded by, and it's it's not the same as me, but as part of that Omega Akada series, they had the match in the G one, and it was a very different match to what they were having. This being a tournament match, kind of I think helped with that kind of dynamic. I didn't go as high as you guys. I went for like four point two five, but well, okay, and, and part of that is <laughs> yeah, exactly just. <laughs> They're just shit, aren't they? And they can't wrestle at all. It was because um, Will Ospreay allegedly yeah, can't no, sell. I've seen that too. No, mo- oh, for fuck's sake. Um, yeah, it, it, it was, it, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed the different dynamic, but it didn't have the emotion, and that's partly like the kind of clap crowd. Uh, uh, that's yeah. the kind of thing. And obviously being in York Hall for what York Hall was like, it was like kind of very, very, you know, just the atmosphere being entirely different. But for something that felt, not as a, it wasn't a sprint per se, but it was never any wasted motion. It's just an impossible match to kind of get bored by, and the fact like New Japan will have these protracted counter sequences, they can do it, but make it entirely believable and credible. And because of the whole storyline and the depth of the fact of how well they know each other, mm. I kind of go along with it. I, 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 how do I, it sounds weird, Benno? You like the blood, Gareth? You didn't. I found myself a bit indifferent to it. So, so, so as per usual, I sit in the fence on, <laughs> on that one as well. Well, it's not like, I mean, Garrett's not wrong either. I think that is what made Osprey sympathetic in the end of Blood as well. So almost as much as I enjoyed it. And I'll be honest, I feel like the second half of this match, I enjoyed Osprey more than the first half because I just don't like Osprey in this heel role, if I'm honest. And I prefer him, you know, uh, again, people will criticise his selling and say it's spotty, but I, I think his selling's absolutely fine if he... <laughs> fights on with his leg or fights on with his shoulder, you know, watch MMA fight everyone. Um, nobody lies around like the limbs falling off. But anyway, um, you know, I, I like that and I like that side of Osprey and those bits of the matches are actually what I mostly enjoyed out of it. And yet maybe the fact that there was a little, blood, little bit of blood brought me into it more but also gives me that criticism of like, well, hang on, I, I came at the end of this match, I kind of felt like, oh yeah, that's the Osprey I want to see, not the Osprey who is, you know, trying to be this dick heel and play a character that I still don't think he's entirely comfortable um, in playing. So, you know, certainly not a not not, not perfect, um, but yeah, there's, you know, it's it's still it's still Zack Sabre and Osprey, isn't it? At the end of the day, you put them in there together and you, you're going to get something this good, no matter where they are on the card, no matter where they are, you know, in their career going up or down in New Japan, 
they're going to give you something like this. Um, I haven't. I mean, you say four point two five JP. I mean, that's. I don't see many people going much lower than that. You know, only the people who, you know, mm. for, for for various reasons, feel strongly about those two and are going are going lower. Um, other than that, you know, I think most most fair people looking at it as a as a as a pure matcher are kind of in that range. And yeah, for to be fair to you know to what me and Gareth are saying, you know, I think we. I had the two matches from last year in the four and a half range. So if I'm saying it wasn't quite up with their standards, maybe maybe four point two five, you know, isn't it wouldn't be a completely unrealistic rating even for me too. Um but yeah, I, I it's, funny, it, it, it's it's funny you say it like so. I mean we've both given it four point five. Mm. The average is four point five six on the app currently. <laughs> so the, so clear so there's 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 more people rating it though above us. what we're giving it even to pull that you know to pull it even to pull it to the 4.56 kind of thing so it's just mm. uh again it's clearly landed with a lot of people and, and 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 as i as i'm just uh as i'm looking on the app here actually now and just scrolling down like the last few ratings that have gone in are like five four point seven five five four point seven five five you know it's it's clearly landed big time with a lot of you know a lot of people yeah, there's a lot of a lot of love out there for it mm. Definitely. I mean, is there anything else from the, these first two rounds that like stand out to you guys as, as much as you want to particularly talk about? Um, yeah, it's been it's been good standard, hasn't it? Um, you know, obviously yeah. shows this morning as well. Yeah. I mean, if it's two, if it's two people, I probably want to reference mm. from like what I've seen so far from a match standpoint. I mean, one is Goto um, because. Is someone that I, I I I love a bit of go to, but he gets he, he seems somebody who gets a bit of stick. I think, <laughs> and he's, uh, but he's, uh, he's, he's someone to me who like when he's again when he's put in the right position, he he, he delivers. And I, I really enjoyed his first round match with Tai Chi. I thought, mm-hmm. Like I gave that four stars. It's it's three point seven nine on the app, so it's you know it's it's heading heading the way to to what i gave it but i thought that was a that was an excellent match in the in in the first round and then the match that he had with shingo as well in the in the in the second round i mean granted yeah he's in there with shingo again but that was another four star match as, uh, as well which again it's another another four four star notch on um, shingo's list but you know, go to absolutely held up his 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 part in that match as well, and I just think uh, I think in, in in both those he he really brought it, and he sort of showed again when given that one on one opportunity, especially in in tournaments, he's somebody who you can kind of you know you can back, and he'll come out and he you know he'll put on an in ring performance. Um, mm. The other one that I wanted to reference was randomly was Sonada, and I felt like. This is the least right. bored. This is the least bored that I've been by Sonada. <laughs> in. He, he, he looked. He felt like a different man to me in that in the Ishi match, like in the in the in the in the first round. I've never seen him come across so fast and dynamic and look like he had a bit of energy about him. And granted, again, he's in there with Ishi, who is always somebody who's going to pull his opponents up to a certain level as we see every single year in the G1 and and and, and, and things like that. But I don't know, the just Sonada just had a different sort of dynamic and feel about him. And that that carried over into the um, Nagata match as well, where again I thought, you know, while that match wasn't certainly wasn't up there at the the, the same level, just Sonada himself, it was almost like he came across like he's had a bit of a kick up the arse or something like that, where I don't know, maybe maybe something like 
you know, Shingo getting put in these positions has maybe rubbed him up the wrong way to work harder or maybe someone's had a word or something like that with him <laughs> um, backstage or something. But he definitely he definitely had a bit more like vibrance and, and, and energy and energy about him. And, you know, that was something that, that, that stood out um, stood out for me. Anything for you, JP? You turn around on Sonada. I've only seen the um, the match from yeah. was it yesterday uh, with Eugene Garza. I didn't see the Ishii match. Part of me feels like I should go back and watch it now, but I don't know. It's still a Sonada match. Has he got a family member who's held hostage <laughs> or something? Like, like, and he's been forced to fuck. Hey, Crystal well. and A saying in the chat as well. You know, he's been a lot better in the studio. I, I had heard that. To be honest, I'd heard that going in um, to catch of the stuff that. I've cherry picked. I, I haven't watched that, but I did just wanted to mention one thing, which was Kenta during Minoru Suzuki. Oh my god, I love that so read, much. Reading the newspaper, <laughs> um, I thought that was just fucking brilliant. And it's just how, considering where he was when he joined New, New Japan mm. and where he's been, and how much he's embraced this role. One of mm. the things I just want to see him do is ditch the Bullet Club stuff. Mm. The guy's a loner; he does his own kind of thing, mm. and that's how he should be. Mm. And weirdly, I think he could get over massive as a baby face, mm. like just by himself. I think that could somehow kind of work because just the the sheer kind of charisma that he's he's been like kind of projecting with this stuff, and especially his post match promos, which are always just great value when you see the translated version. Mm. Yeah, when he came out, Suzuki's face as well. I mean, obviously, it's just kind of like perfect, but it's just just kind of... He's got enough stature, Kenta, to get away with that without mm. it seem kind of like... He can pull that off. It's a hard thing to it do. It makes sense, though, as a story, because it meant he kind of got in Suzuki's yeah. head and then, you know, eventually mm. won the match. You know, it wasn't so much Suzuki mm. getting his revenge and kicking his head off. It was, yeah, Kenta's mind games kind of paid off. Yeah, I got a lot of joy out of that. It was great. I'm sitting there yeah. eating whatever the Japanese equivalent of The Guardian is. Saying that, it had G1 <laughs> results in it, didn't it? So maybe it's not that quite a... <laughs> I don't know what it was, Tokyo Sports, maybe. It wasn't. It wasn't like the Tokyo Daily Sport, which had um, <laughs> saw a picture of someone who was meant to be like a Matt Hancock lookalike, who was um, uh, oh god, he was like sucking off stray dogs, something along those lines. Yeah, I know. There was another one. There was That's another Daily Sport welcome. headline that I read. There, art, oh, mate. It's it's. It was just bloody awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to find it. There was two stories of this I can just remember that I got sent through about the daily sport. But yeah, he wasn't reading that. There was a, a what it's be a lack of uh, stories about Lola Ferrari oh. and other bullshit. <laughs> and a great headline they had about like help me find the bastard who shat down my chimney. That was a daily sport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, oh, I, mean, I was going to say yeah, that. New Cup. <laughs> <laughs> You're cutting into Noah time here, JP. Be careful. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> this, um, yeah, that kind of Suzuki match, though. Like, at, at the end of the day, I didn't even think it was a great belt to belt match. I just thought they told, told her it was just a fun story. Kenta was a gobshite. He got in Suzuki's head and he won the match. Like, I think I, I'm looking yeah. at the app. I gave it three and a half stars. But sometimes that can be, you know, misleading. It's not like I didn't have a, a good time watching it. Um, it was just, you know, it was a match that kind of served a particular purpose as like the, the semi-main on that uh, that Goto Shingo show. Yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a, you know, like you said, the newspaper spot was absolutely great. Just the Kenta sort of character presentation was was spawn. And then the way, like you say, he just got into the head of, um, he, he got into the head of Suzuki here. It was almost like, I don't know, it's, it's almost like that, 
you know, that no fear, that cool, like cool, calm assassin kind of almost character to to, to Kenta there. I which, just which, wish which it was, was still 2005, mate. Oh, I just wish, you know, we didn't have 15 years worth more of miles on his body because that's the thing. Yeah. There's, there's a limit to Kenta, as exciting as he is in this character, and it's enjoyable. Even the mock stuff, you know, winding him up and now doing it with Suzuki, there's always a dead end, unfortunately. It's the matches. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is with him is, I think he's found like a nice balance though as well. Like, I'm never, I never watch it, you know. Although his matches aren't up there at the top end as they, you know, they once were, mm. they're always still at a sufficiently good level, and then sure. they seem to be supported by the character work as well. That that you almost kind of just feel like you're just getting a bit more as a package. So where, say for example, I'm the same as you. I went three and a half on that one, mm. like. It was still a really good, like enjoyable match. It's a, it's one of the matches that I'll stand out and I'll remember most from from this. And you know, and it's you know, it's not all work rate, work rate, work rate at the end of the day, is it? Kind of thing, you know. When it comes to when Star it comes to that side of things, and, and, and I think um, absolutely, <laughs> stop using the app. Um, and as, as much as you can blend the um, as blend both sides, which he he does so well because you know, frankly, he needs to do, you know, so well these days, you know, I think it, I think it works. The the other one that um, stood out for me, and this is like a mix really, and it's almost like going the other way. It's almost like the opposite to Kenta is, is, is Jay White in this tournament where mm. I think the character work has been good. It feels like he's kind of almost got that swagger back um, within his, within his, his character. And there's almost like that confidence back in his character, but, I think both matches that he's had so far in the tournament are just, they've been like a bit disappointing. And then especially today, like I think with it being, um, you know, Jay White, Tanahashi, like I was pretty kind of up for that really, thinking that was going to be, that was going to be, you know, a fairly decent match, something that was going to be challenged at the top end. But it just didn't didn't land with me at all. And I, I can't sort of like quite put my finger on it. I don't know if it was like Jay White got too much in the match or something like that, but I've only gone like 3.25 on that. And for for me to go that low on a Tanahashi singles match in an environment like this against an opponent like that, that feels really low. And it, it, I don't know, it, it, it feels like in-ring, the way White's working at the minute, it's almost like regressed a little bit in the in in this tournament and, and dragged it back because because I haven't enjoyed either either of his matches. He looks he doesn't look motivated. I think is the thing with him right now. He just looks like we said last week. He just looks lost. I don't really know where you go with Jay White in 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 New Japan if you're not heading straight to some kind of evil bullet club leadership story like i watched that match right before we recorded i gave it three and a half stars gareth i can't tell you a thing about it other than the fact that jay white did a couple of spots around tanahashi's belly um and if you know he's having to go with tanahashi's belly there's nothing down for the rest of us fucking hell um but it was it was uh it was it felt like middle of the tour g1 b block match is what it felt like you know adequate Tanahashi was a good baby face working over a limb of Jay White and Jay White was a okay heel in the match but nothing to write home about really yeah uh, just a match I did I did actually think actually on that point I, like that was interesting on that show like uh watching it back tonight how did Dave Finley get back to get to back to Japan for that Yoshihashi match in the semi-final I didn't I kind of I skipped through the show to get to the last two matches. Yeah, well, I skipped through to the show to get to the last two matches, and I saw him walking off after his match because I mean I'm not watching David Fellini and Yoshihashi, um, just haven't got that much time in my life. 
And I saw him, I was like, that's, that's no way that's David Finley. And then I realised it was. Um, I, th- I, th- I think Kay Faber's been busted there, JP. I'm guessing they, they, him and, uh, him oh, and uh, yeah, I think Finjuice won those tag belts. It must have been a while ago now if, uh, if he's already back in Japan. <laughs> I was wondering how, because Juice Robinson's entirely changed his look from him when he could impact, like his hair's bigger and everything <laughs> else. So, oh, like, was he on the undercard as I'm well? Just, like, yeah, Juice Robinson's been there as well at the same yeah, time. Yeah, he was at ringside. Oh, was it? I didn't even So there's a whole art. <laughs> what, what I think is quite funny with this, and this sort of leads into some of the. We might as well talk impact now. Right? We can give it brief. There's not a lot yeah. to say, is there? Yeah. I want I want to know more about yeah, their streaming service than I actually do want to talk the content of the match. Carry on. You do. <laughs> oh, it's a couple of bits of praise I've got for the show, funnily mm. enough, in, in like kind of like small doses. But, but yeah, I was just watching that sacrifice show going how long are these tapings how long do they have these people here for are they just doing like marathon all day tapings in nashville Mm. to kind of justify the kind of massive expense they've got in bringing in lots of these people um did you watch them win the tag titles either of you yeah i did i watched the whole show um yeah I, I, i had that feeling as well like you watch the show I think Impact were better earlier on at doing these empty arena shows. Now that they've added like the weird crowd noise and stuff, it does come across a bit cold and, like you say, yeah. a bit aged. Considering I'm guessing the Good Brothers were walking around with the tag belts on AW, like uh, WCW Center Sage style, uh, when they were when they definitely couldn't have been champions anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say like I, I think we can blast through this quickly. I suppose uh, the, the Impact stuff. I, I I had a fucking nightmare trying to watch it. JP, I did I did watch it in the end, but like. I've been, I've, I've had a six month subscription to uh, Impact uh, Plus in my back pocket for about three months now. They emailed me like three months ago, going, "Listen, we know the service is a shit show. You clearly pay for it at some point. Just have six months. Just take it." Taking me three months to sign up to the fucker, and I wish I didn't. It's fuck. Oh, it's terrible. Like if there was ever an advert for watch wrestling, it's this fucking streaming service. I can't, can't log in on my phone. When I could log it, when I could could log in on the phone on my app, it wouldn't cast to me TV. When I could log in it, uh, to it on my Google TV, it kept telling me I didn't have any subscriptions. Then when I went back to try to watch it on the website, it was telling me that it was locked. And then I went back to the Google TV app, and it turned out that you actually you could watch it without a subscription anyway. So I didn't have to blow my, uh, <laughs> my six months anyway. And then when I finally got it playing. I got this is where I'm really. I got two hours in JP, and I did do a fair bit of fast forwarding with their shitty fast forward function on the player. Got to the two hour point, and then it just booted me out and put me back at the start. And like getting two hours, it, it hasn't even got like a proper timer going across the middle, so you can't even like pick where you want to be in time. You just hold the fast forward button like you're you're watching it on a videotape <laughs> oh. in 1998 until you oh get to the two hour point. At which point it crashed out again. And then I was like, you know what, watch wrestling.la. They're like, those lads will sort me out. And I watched it on there instead. It's a fucking horrible experience. Um, that's my main take. Very much. Just... You didn't watch have to play as well, well, did you? <laughs> to get it right, yeah. Was it long play? Was it short play? You know, all of that. Um... You know, the real streaming winner of all of this is, is watch wrestling. And they're incredible. Oh, mate, they do. that they've got, they've got access to. <laughs> they do a great job. Um, they do a great job, the lads. I'm sorry. They do. And I tried, I tried to watch it legitimately, but no, I... a little daily mode. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I need it even works on my Google TV, so it all works out well. Um, but yeah, once I finally did see it, I mean, I didn't have a, a huge amount of like takeaway. I thought that tag match was all right. You know, it was a three point two five star match. I, I do think 
Juice and Robin, Ju- uh, Juice and um, Finley do look fresh, you know, in Impact. It's nice to have, you know, something new for them to do. Uh, it's a shame it's in an empty arena setting with no one there to kind of experience because it's like it's happening a lot this in empty arena wrestling. They've made the jump to Impact, but it doesn't really feel like they've jumped anywhere because they're just in another. They might as well be on New Japan Strong. It's the same. It's just it's a, it's a ring and, and no atmosphere and you know some. Well, I suppose in this case the difference is there's some awful commentators uh, screaming over it in a, in Matt Striker who has never gotten any better. Everything's the best thing that ever happened in the world. You you, you get on well with the uh, the current progress commentators. Uh, and Dilo Brown honored is honored to be there. Expressed several times. Honored to be there. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and Dilo Brown, who was trying his best, but you know he's not a, exactly a seasoned commentator himself. Um, yeah, I, I thought. The, I mean, I, I gave that three stars. I went. Um, 3.75 on East Austin and TJP. I thought that was a that was a really mm. fun little match on the undercard. And I'll be honest, Moose and Rich one uh, pulled me into their match too. I thought they had there was a couple of daft in everyone. Everyone's probably seen the gifts of the you know that spot where uh, Moose went up to the top of the moonsault, and at the same time, Rich one went for the uh, the, cutter. the cutter off the the other ropes, and then they meet Made in the middle. No sense. No. What was Moose <laughs> yeah. going for? Like <laughs> if if the I'm movie was head- he's, he's up on that <laughs> fucking doing it. Can't but you know what? I'm here now. It was fucking cool, so I didn't care. Um, and, you know, and Moose run, there was the other spot, wasn't there, where he, did, he ran up and did, like, the basically the Spanish fly, whatever, the, you know, the one where it's more like a body spam. I can't remember what that one's called. Um, did, did that off the top. Well, yeah, it's kind of like a Finley roll-ish, like, reverse, like a moonsault, like, kind yeah. of back bottom. Fall away slam. Um, it had some fun spots in it though, and like you said earlier, I, I didn't. It wasn't like I particularly bought. You know, the 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 TNA title was particularly anything worthy of this level of importance. As much as Matt Striker tried to uh, to sell me on that um, as one, this being one of the the biggest matches in history that we will we will always remember. Um, but I thought the lads themselves, you know, uh, again misgivings about Moose being in this position aside, um, did well uh, as far as the main event went, and I, I could rate. I gave it three point seven. Five, but I could have, could have easily given maybe not quite a four, maybe three point seven five is fair. But you know, I had, a, I had a fun time watching it. I think they were kind of my highlights of the show. Yeah, I'm completely agreed with those. Mm. Um, I went three and a half on Ace Austin TJP. Mm. I like TJP for whatever people think, as a professional wrestler is like kind of a, that good solid hand, and he got a really. Yes. I think he got a really good match out of Ace Austin. I say really good match. Ace Austin has something about He's showing him. a lot of potential. Just the way he was. He really is the way he carries himself. He's also bulked up as well. So he's kind of looking like he should be really with the heavyweights, which mm. is kind of really where he should be. Mm. Um, and the other one is like Moose. Like we need to talk about Moose in ring here as someone who kind of stands out, which I wasn't saying when he was touring. I certainly didn't say that time. We I always bring up him at PCW mm. at the Avoc. first met Gareth, like, <laughs> you know, I didn't see this level of performance from him. But do you know what? Between this, the main event he's come back in, and Kristen A's just pointed out in the chat as well, like Moose has carried the show. Mm. Like the way he's kind of carried it, like the reason he ended up with that TNA belt, I think was he was doing this kind of like gimmick of him being this kind of like being deluded and Mm. somewhat living in the past. Like he carried himself here, I think, as someone who... It wouldn't surprise me if he's signed by someone, someone bigger. Frankly, it wouldn't. Him in. I know there's obviously the the kind of issues in in terms of like the domestic 
uh, abuse charges. I think that they, he'd gone through there as well. Mm. But in terms of him as the performer, looking like this giant heavyweight who can do a couple of spectacular things, Jesus, he did it. And they kept him strong at the end, I think, with the roll-up finish as well, mm. which they, they did for it. And obviously, they've been kind of building towards Swan and Omega. He kind of felt of, of where it was going. But mm. yeah, this, I thought, like just felt like a kind of classic pro wrestling match where there was the kind of smaller underdog baby face getting the shit beaten out of him at times by the much larger heel. And I liked the way it worked into him using the spear against him and getting him to charge the corners and eventually he'd hit the one with the chair. He's like all of that stuff and the way it was structured was kind of like a nice end to the show. Mm. I felt I just mm. felt like they it kind of ended the show properly, which we've we've sat through a couple of these shows and there's a couple of them have just been fucking horrendous. Mm. But this is a hell of a lot. It was just like a hell of a lot more interesting as a, as a main event, and you know, and I, I I think for this it's you know Swan, the kind of performance he's going to need to have to, like he, this is the big chance, isn't it, for Rich Swan? Yeah, like he's, he's not getting this in any other circumstance. There's no other circumstance he's getting this. Hmm. And you just think, okay, this is really where you deliver on that big stage. How hmm. good are you? Because hmm. you hear you've got one of the best workers in the world hmm. with him who, as part of a massive storyline that encompasses loads of different store, uh, loads of different companies. Hmm. And I imagine as well, like the last pay-per-view did well for them. This one will as well, especially. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm happy for Rich One. He's a wrestler I do like. Um yeah. Obviously, people are going to have issue with him, similar to the Moose thing, but I don't know. I think Rich One's a little bit different in that. For me, he had his punishment. He lost his job. You know, we're a few years removed, um, and you know the, you know, I think at some point, um, I think it's understandable. You know, for for a Rich One to 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 be wrestling again and in a position like this, um, and I can't say he's done a he's done a bad job of it. Um, I think he's been he's been very good. Um, he is the only choice though. He's the only person who can, <laughs> as much as I'm raving about, you know, I like Ace Austin, you can't put him against Kenny. Um, you know, God forbid, you know, I mean, I mean, I suppose you could have done Moose, but I don't know if that's, you know, uh, I think Rich One's the better, better ring-ring match. Um, that's the only thing I'd say coming out of the show, Jamie. It's like, who else is that actually on this roster? You know, unless you want to throw Tommy Dreamer or Eddie Edwards in there or, or a Brian Myers or someone, this is Impact's problem. Because I've seen a little bit of talk about that recently about, you know, about like, or is this relationship between Impact and AEW, you know, who's it actually benefiting at this point? I mean, I would always argue it benefited AEW and giving them a hot story. Uh, but it's it's benefiting Impact in that, you know, they're going to get this this match with the Kenny Omega. The only negative is, I suppose, mm. is, is, as much as I've just said that, I do like Richland. I'm happy for him getting this spot, you know, considering everything. Um, it is you know, the only choice. <laughs> there isn't really anyone else you can yeah. really showcase at that level, unfortunately. Um did anyone stick out to you on the undercard? Any other matches stick out for you on the undercard actually as a as a as a talking point? I I skipped through la uh, like the large swathes of the undercard. Apart mm. from like I think I said in the pre show, I'll watch I watched Violent by Design mm. versus who was that against? Fucking hell. Two players Saban Sabin and Storm. Mm. And Rhino came and joined them and turned heel. Mm. Why? Why not? Fuck it. It mm. doesn't make any sense. But I had a laugh. Mm. And just watching Joe Doring in there is just a weird, weird fit. Mm. But that's impact for you. Mm. It is a weird fit of a company. But 
as with a lot of these shows, I think this one is slightly better than a lot of those Impact Plus specials, mm. which generally have seemed fucking horrific at times. I mean, I don't think we watched the last one because no. they had... Was it Rich Swan versus Tommy Dreamer? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> that was the match. Right. That was who they put Rich Swan off against. Yeah, you're right, yes. to off Gareth. It's, uh, <laughs> but then uh, again, this is the benefit of the AW relationship. They were able to put a match like this on, make it feel like it had stakes. Maybe not as big stakes as uh, as Matt Striker seemed to believe. But now we're you know we're, we're building to a, a Rich Swan Kenny Omega match. It's it's more interesting than anything else. <laughs> Impact can do at the minute. So you know, yeah, there's at least that. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say um, while we were uh, while we were watching Impact, uh, you know, another show. Uh, I think we've uh, actually all been uh, watching some uh, some pro wrestling. Now we're all doing our homework this week. Um, I hope you have JP. I hope you haven't uh, left me hanging here. Yeah, uh, we are gonna talk some now. I mean, I'll let you lead it. I mean, it's been two weeks worth of of, uh, of teasing, uh, you know, and we were all actually, although we didn't have time for it last week uh, after AEW. I mean, I. You know, I'm not as high on you know the big match from last week's show as as the big tag match as everyone else is, but you know I could see the positivity. I could definitely have a have a, have a fun laugh at a, a uh, Kijimito, uh, as the commentator always says. Uh, I, I could always um, laugh at that from last time. I think that the time for laughing's over, though. JP, do you regret pushing us yeah. watching the, the Snow stuff? Because I feel like watching this second uh, show from the Great Voyage, isn't it? The uh, the shows, um, yeah, um, one too many matches. Uh, Kishimoto in the uh, in the main event. Yeah, the the fucking joke's <laughs> over. Defended yeah. JP is, is how I felt. No, I hated this main event. Uh, and do you know what? I praised their like kind of last match together as well, mm. but. This one, okay, so the differences I found, like with the Shiozaki match, there was a kind of an element of intrigue, I think, for like, how the hell are they going to do this? And they worked out a way of doing it, but they also did it with the flash pin, Mm. which kind of made it look like on his day, in that one-off situation, he could do that. Here he hit three shining wizards Mm. and then made him tap out. Your 24-year-old future ace, and he's 58. And they were playing up in the opening video package before this, how broken down and knackered he was. I was there like thinking, and as the week went on, I remember being at one point saying quite confident of like, look, you've got to put the belt on Kitamiya. He's 24, he's the younger guy. You can have all these kind of various matches. And I think as the week went on with a sense of horror of like, fuck me, they're going to put it. And then I think the nail in the coffin was listening to Post Puress with WH and John mm. and just going, Oh fucking hell, he is, isn't he? He's <laughs> gonna do that, like because he's always saying to us, "Nassau run guys, a mark of a booker." Yeah, this is one of the most like kind of markish decisions around this, and it's like he's it's like they've gone well. The Budokan attendance is on KG Muto, so we're gonna have this last run with him at the end of the match as well. It looks like they're feeding the person who came out hottest the week before mm. in the tag as well, mm. so he can lose. To Keiji Muto. And you're like, what the fuck are you lads doing? You build, you have this, you're going from this Go Shiazaki reign, yeah, which got all of us interested in Go Shiazaki, something that's never happened. Benno, you've, you've seen a lot of Go Shiazaki over the years, <laughs> like, and it got to this. And I also found the match itself dull, fucking dull. It was half an hour. In the end, oh, mate. this main, 
I'll, I checked the run, run in, I'm, I'm moaning it. about streaming services, you know. Ticked along my little timeline on the Google TV. Oh, there's two matches left here. I, I, I watched the last two matches. How long's left? <laughs> then I got to, got to the Miso Kimura match, and I was like, surely there must be like 25 minutes of post-match here or something. And I couldn't help myself. I checked cage oh, match. That was on fight. They, oh, fight. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. 32 minutes, though. 32 minutes. Like, Christ. It was. I went two stars on this, and I feel mm-hmm. like I did that out of like a politeness and a and a, and a respect for KG Muto from my mm-hmm. childhood. But fuck me, I was. I went two. I was. I went two. I was quite. <laughs> I was quite. I was quite cross at the length of time. You talk about how like sometimes I've seen. We've talked about two star matches where we just kind of laughed it off and everything else, but this actually made me cross it's because sad. there's no. It is sad, and they built. They were building up momentum. And it's to feed it to someone who isn't going to give you back what you're thinking. And I always kind of wanted to believe that, like, I mean, that Muto would see that this is a bad idea. But, like, it's not going to get any better, is it? And there's no Shiazaki now. He's out with the shoulder injury. He's having surgery on that. He's out for six months. Like, he's going to have this belt for a while, isn't he? Are they going to have the reverse Shiazaki and just have a series of terrible, terrible main events? Can he hold up though? Yeah, can his body hold up to doing that? Because he looks, he looks, he look. It look. It is sad. You know, we joked about the you know the cartwheel last week. That was just sad to watch. And he just looks out of place. He looks like he should be hidden away in an eight man earlier on the card where he gets a couple of spots in and he goes home. And even then he'd look he'd look weak, he'd look like a Hummer or someone. Like expecting him to go half an hour. You you can see the look in his eyes. It's like, oh fuck. Even after he it he, he does something impressive like the uh the, the Frankensteiner off the corner, you can tell that hits him more than his opponents, and it takes him a while five minutes to properly get up and get himself going again like he's got to restart an engine you know get his get his fucking knees going again it's oh it's it's just sad to watch like i was i feel like two stars is actually high praise on this one yeah i I, I mean i watched it spoiler free as well and like i was thinking like oh yeah he'd beat him last time and i was thinking this is going to be you know, again, I didn't like listen to those other shows. I was thinking, okay, there, this is going to be like a crowning, you know, moment. There you go. He beats Muto here and, you know, gets the belt and he goes on another title title run. Um, I couldn't believe it. Well, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I could like uh, how much the match needed to be slowed down in the first instance yeah. with them doing basically nothing to drag out the first 15 minutes where it was just side headlocks and front face locks that, you know, to, to, Give some element of longevity to a main event match that you know that that that, that made it sort of carry that element of distance there. And I think the the lack of mobility in, in Muto mm-hmm. and just how I think it's I think it's that whole feeling of like, you just can't take it seriously. You're just watching mm-hmm. this guy who's so old that can barely move, and he's in there with this young guy who's really good and you're supposed to accept that he's going to wrestle him in this style and he's going to you know he's got he's going to be, be caught out by these the you know these things that that muto's thrown at him and things it just it, it just doesn't stack up and then yeah the, like again the the idea that he after 32 minutes a man of that age <laughs> yeah. beats him and like 
taps him out as well, like in the, in, in the middle of the ring. Like, ah, that was absolutely, absolutely shocking. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like I say, I give it two stars as, as well. I was absolutely, I, I was the same as you, just fuming a bit at the end. And then I think, like you say, like Kit and me are coming out at the end and then you're just thinking, yep, He's he's getting he's getting fed to him as well, isn't he? You know that's that's going to be someone else who's going to who's going to lose. And then I think for me, like that Shiazaki run last year, that obviously anyone who listens to this know knows how high I was on that Segura match. That really got me into Noah. That one match was like something that made me go fucking hell. This is great. This is what this is like wrestling that I you know. You know, I, I I love and I really want to be watching. I went away and like watched, you know, various other matches. I watched like the um, the Nakajima match and you know, for, like did sort of almost like the the backfill on Shizaki on the Shizaki run last year. Like just looking at some of these guys there, like you know, Kitamir, Nakajima, like Inamura, the you know. Kiyomiya, these guys, you're just like, oh yeah, this is good, where I'm getting a bit bored and a bit stale on New Japan, like he's just some, you know, a product that I haven't been following, he's some fresh faces for me to just, you know, this all looks like it's going in the in the right direction, and, he, and even little things around the fringes, like the visual presentation of the product and things it looks good it's accessible like it's branded well it's the the, the lighting even just things the, the things in the arena and things like that it, it ticks so many boxes that i was feeling like really excited um for this year of thinking yeah i'm gonna follow noah closely <laughs> and then like based on the last two shows in the last week and then the way muto has been presented and looking and thinking christ the direction that this is going now and you know these these young stars that are you know there to come through and be developed they're just almost taking a back seat to to this motor and it just makes you think why bother why like why do, why, why do you want to invest the time to that's what i've been you, saying yeah you know to, you know to put into that when it's going to be booked in this way like what would benno do <laughs> no i mean you, you could even hear it like i felt bad for you jp because i think if we'd have done this last week it would have been much and we can have a positive conversation about the tag match in a minute but even like the even like when kitamir came out even the commentators couldn't sell it they were just like oh yeah there's kitamir yeah that's setting up the match <laughs> it's like snooker commentary it was just they didn't care because they were probably sitting there thinking, why Why did this old man win this match as well? Um, yeah, it does. They were too busy trying to work out what a shining wizard was. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little bit of that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was uh, the line. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Generally, well, I like their commentary. I'll take it. I've been high on their commentary. No, we it's, could, been, it's, yeah. it's been good. That's a small error kind of thing. I'm just yeah. taking the piss there. But Keep like, me talk. I feel for them having to sell this yeah. to to you, like the English-speaking audience, that this old man whose strategy for the match is to make Kitamiya kind of tire himself out. Yeah. That yeah. shouldn't be fucking happening, just looking at them and yeah. how they walk and move. Yeah, well, it's Sorry. like, no, I, I agree with you as well. And the, the other thing I'll say, this isn't, I suppose, praising them, but there's loads of times where I've, I've like wanted to watch like a you know, say a big recommended All Japan match or a Noah match, and I watch it and just think, I have not, I'm not the Noah or All Japan guy. I don't really know what's going on. And I've always, I'd even take just somebody like some amateur on YouTube, you know, just 
explaining what the fuck's happening and put it over as like an audio track i'll take anything you know as far as english commentary goes and the, the, i mean i know that sounds like i'm slagging them off but they are absolutely competent aren't they and they, they do the job to the, the the minimum standard considering the information that considering what's happening in front of them um, at times here um but yeah you know they were much more enthused for that tag match the week before jp just like you were uh as soon as yeah. i saw the um the intro video to that thing um <laughs> i thought of you i think it was alan farrell maybe you first linked us to it um, on twitter and gave us a, an idea of uh of what we were in for with that one um yeah that was that was uh made for us if uh if nothing else was with yeah with the aggression and uh sakuraba who i can't believe is still going um you know he's been getting he's been getting his wrestling gear out the back of the bin behind sports direct since he was in new japan like what 10 years <laughs> going back to like ufc yeah. days and stuff like he's yeah he doesn't look a hard tramp doesn't he he does he does <laughs> and i ripped him off you know at the end of, i mentioned his new japan run towards the end of his new japan run he just kind of got shoved in the multi-mans with the old men didn't he um and he was just one of them um oh, he shined and he shined in this video to be fair the, the two of them just sat out there on their their sun lounges on that roof terrace so it was like oh i want, I want to go book like a, a villa somewhere and uh and go copy them <laughs> Them, oh. lads. The the song as well, Gareth. I've still got it here. Ready to not be ready. Um, it's That's the, the outro. It definitely needs to be the outro here. I, I, I was like immediately Shazam in it when I was watching it because I was like, what a tune. It just it felt like it was um, like, it was like the Japanese Love Island or something like that. Or something the, the way the uh, setting was them two on the on the on the roof, like having a drink in the... <laughs> <laughs> with that music playing in the background it was just like what a what a scene and then um as we as we were saying the other day jp just like uh nakajima and kitami are falling up like the lads knocking about in their best red trackies yeah. <laughs> oh yeah they did look cool yeah they did look like, cool like a kind of hard version of the royal tenenbaums mm. <laughs> like they, they really did they were like That's they were wearing the matching trackies it's funny you talk about the kind of like Gareth mentioned about like the visuals being accessible. Mm. These things are accessible. We mm. don't know any of the dialogue or any of the conversation piece, but you've got two different teams with two different attitudes towards this match, which is actually part of the storyline of the match as well. And like they're doing these things to kind of make it easier for you. And again, like, I don't know, maybe it was for me. The stuff they did in this tag match was the pot was like 180 degrees away from what they did a week later with that main event. They did the stuff properly here where they put over a kind of killer team. But yeah, that intro part, as soon as I saw that, I actually I made an order on pro wrestling tees and one of those was a Congo t-shirt and I would buy that fucking tracksuit if I could get away with it as well. <laughs> and it's the thing you about Nakajit. They both look like absolute superstars. Mm. Like him and Kitamir just look like superstars. They just carry themselves, and you're just thinking, put them in the main event, these lads. Can I be these that gobshite Western boys. fan who watches this and goes, I'd love to see them somewhere else? I can feel WH Park screaming at me right now or anywhere. <laughs> Follows don't know closely. <laughs> New Japan. That's all I come out of. <laughs> just thinking, I don't want to see them here. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't didn't we say on the Ask Grapper, it was one of the things about, like, what would you do to freshen up New Japan? And it was like, bring in Nakajima as your top fucking heel. Like, bring him in. JP said it, not Spend me. the money. Spend the, spend the money you have. I remember WH saying this before. Oh, good. One okay. time going, actually, if you're New Japan and you're going to freshen things up, 
there might, and it goes completely against tradition. You go out there and you offer Kent O'Meara a shit ton of money, and mm. you see what happens. Mm. You know, a fucking yeah. opti- opticians managed to sign Tenru away from Bubba in the fucking late eighties to set up SWS, which mm. was shite. But it also had Jeff Jarrett in it. And that's fucking weird. <laughs> but even like, that year, Marafuji was in the G one. It was something fresh, wasn't mm. it? Uh, you know. Yeah. Oh, when Nakajima was in there, just that mm, I banged on about this before that fucking Noah brawl that he had, mm. and the headbutts with Shibata and everything else. It's like mm. this guy oozes charisma, and Kitamira, I don't know as much about. And my God, I felt the same way about him. And all right, the headbutt stuff at the end, oh, I like does that. make you think of Sakura. <laughs> Oh, I hated myself for liking it because the because the, <laughs> the um, Shibata stuff is really upsetting. But fuck me. Yeah, maybe you can and pull that headbutt that- a little bit more and still do that finish. But I still think it was a good finish. But it, but it's even Nakajima, the way he moves around the ring, the mm. way he's like ring positioning is always about getting to those ropes quickly. Mm. So any time that Sakurai was taking him down and you'd have those like nasty calf kicks to each other, like the, the whole dynamic here. And Segura, by the way, I think he's seven years younger than Muto and Sakuraba's four years younger than Muto, I think Sakuraba's 54, I want to say. Right. And Sakuraba had fucking fights, proper fights that were over an hour with the fucking Gracies. Mm. Jesus Christ. You know, and he took on four of them at the same time. He's not, not, fucking, <laughs> not a monster. But like, you know, this, this guy is like, they managed to book him well really, as well as any wrestling company's ever managed to do with Sakuraba. I think they've managed to do it with... I didn't believe it, JP, when told me, people told me this was... I mean, I didn't give it anywhere near five stars, but when people were like, it's one of the, <clears throat> the great tag matches, you know, since those great AEW tags or whatever, I didn't believe it because he was in it. And to be fair, he was one of my favourite parts of it. That's what I liked about I liked the way the the two... You basically got the two pair-offs, you know what I mean? It was like, you mm. know, the, the, the two smaller guys and the two bigger guys, and it was a great, like, styles kind of fit as well for them too. He, you know what, he did, he did his part, he did his job. He made the believer out of me uh, as far as, like, being able to be in a, a match, you know, potentially this good. I mean, this was one of the things there for me that was... It's almost like that huge polarisation there like where I'm saying on one level you've got the Muto stuff that's like feeling like a massive turn off mm. but then the week before I'd watch this and I'm just like yep again another massive tick in the Noah box this is like another reason why I'm gonna you know continue watching Noah this year because just the the, the structure of this match with like Kitamir having that strength and power advantage over Sagira, so then him having to like just be you know, pulling little shortcuts, knees in the stomach, little interference and things like that to get on top before, like, finally, you know, you know, kicking the shit out of him once he had the, you know, once he was once he was on on, on top of him, you know, the Sakuraba going for the grappling, but um, um, Nakajima's kicks just like repeatedly just been, you know, couldn't get older because of them fucking awesome kicks that like he was he was putting it in there like on that particular pair off that like I absolutely you know absolutely loved that and then just so then the way you almost had that story that had been set up in that starting video of it's like the old guys who were just taking the piss a bit and that was something that they referenced on commentary and then the younger guys um you know coming through and sort of trying to you know 
put a bit of uh, put a bit of respect back into the into the belts and work hard and treat them properly and things uh, things like that. I thought, you know, that came that that came across as like a nice little story there, especially with the older guys continuously be the, been the ones, you know pulling the shortcuts, doing the little illegal double teams and things like that, you know, just breaking things up from from that standpoint. That that was something that I just really I, I loved it from that from that match structure point of view. But then just that finisher with the, you know, the the kneeling figure four and then that headbutt. Like I fucking loved that. What a finish. What a unique finish. Like it was it was it was like I don't care about you know that how if it's like sick the noise if it was if he should have pulled it more or whatever like fuck off that was a great great finish <laughs> and that's certainly like nudged like whereas whereas watching that match I was like yeah I'm loving this and it's a four point two five as soon as that happened I was just like oh like four point five minimum on this match like what a finish like <laughs> seriously I just I, I I just came away from that match on a massive high and I was just like. It was just like adding to this feeling of like positivity towards Noah, and that, and that was. Um, I actually watched this match first, and then I watched the match that had happened before it immediately after this. So it was then after this match that I saw like the the Muta handspring elbow in the corner, and I was just like then thinking about the match the following week, and just like. Oh God, no! Kind of thing. Like, why? Why are they? Mm-hmm. Why are they muddying the picture by having this going on at the at the very top? Like, especially when they built something so good with with Shiazaki. And just thinking about the pre-match videos that you know we were just talking about there, like um, the one for the main event of this week's show. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you referenced it before, JP. Again, it was brilliant. It was an excellent, excellent video. And it's probably like the, you know, it was maybe like the fourth or fifth that I've seen from Noah that I've thought, these are actually top draw like videos that they're, they're not voiced over in English, but you're able to get out of it what they're trying to convey, even though you can't understand what's been said. And then within that, they had that whole, um, Almost like you say, they were, they were telling the story that Muto can't go. They were showing his inadequacies and things in that opening video, and then they were showing uh, Kimir is looking like a star and looking like the next star, and you, you know. And then so for them to to not deliver on that was it, it almost made the finish of the main event look even worse because of the way that the opening, the uh, like pretty much video being presented as as well, and yeah, like. I don't know, talk about, you know, again, this is a small metric, but just looking at the way ratings have gone on the app, you know, over the past 12 months, they were generating a bit of buzz. They were generating a bit of interest. You know, even look look at your Twitter timeline. I felt like I've had to avoid Twitter for a couple of days till I caught up on this show because I just didn't want spoilers. And I knew people on my Twitter timeline would be talking about Noah, whereas 12 months ago, I'd have probably got away with it, to be honest, and like missed a, a big deal of it, a big part of it. It feels like people have been, you know, talking about them and, and hyping them a bit more and this um this um this end to the show this weekend god it must be doing some pile of damage to you know people who were like me showing a bit more sparks of interest in the product this year mm. anything more on that jp or no in general what do you give them what do you give the main uh, event actually what, what star rating did we all throw I, ch- out? I, I gave it i, I went oh go on sorry uh, no. 4.25 
Oh, good. I don't feel so bad giving it four then. <laughs> four and a half. Gareth, Gareth's description <laughs> made me feel bad. I'm just not as invested in it, clearly, as, uh, as you are. Four still a good rate yeah. as far as I'm concerned. I gave it more than Andy Ogden. He gave it three and a half. He's the brave one. Um, yeah. yeah. What's the average? Shitting all over now. Ungrapple, uh, Gareth. The average for that at the minute. Mm. Just a filibuster for a second. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't <laughs> have got it up myself and put you on the spot instead. <laughs> no, but making to a, it is one, though, where when I rated the, it, the, I thought I was the, the extreme low man and I felt bad because I was damaging the rating. But I think as more people have watched it, it's dropped a little bit, hasn't it, from being like in the high four and a half hmm. to a bit. Yeah, it's, it's 4.23 currently. Mm. So, yeah, that, that 4.25 is is pretty much, uh, mm. much bang on. Clearly uh, mm. clearly my additional 0.25 for that headbutt uh, maybe wasn't passed on <laughs> by other, other people. Gareth uh, just said, by the way, everyone, he's glad Shabazz the, the retired and he deserved it. Um, unbelievable. Yeah, that's what he's saying. <laughs> Don't worry, he'll see that. As long as he's entertained, he couldn't give a shit. He'll show up in AW after seven years on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, anything else on Noah in general or anything else from those shows people should check out before we uh, very quickly use the uh, the last 10 minutes to, uh, to get more of JP's mystery boxing? Oh, okay. Uh, no, in that case, I will save it for the mystery box. <laughs> Sorry, we're on two hours 50. <laughs> I know, I know. It's all right. Uh, well, yeah. Because... Oh, go on. Go on. No, no, you first. <laughs> I was going to move You're the on. man that holds us all together. I'll shut up. <laughs> we're just killing, eating in those 10 minutes. Come on, Bella. I had nothing to say. I was just filling silence. <laughs> you made it all. Oh, right. <laughs> well, in that case, can I talk about stardom? You, you can. Go on, mate. It's stardom or MLW. Like, that. that's what's up next. So, you know. I feel duty-bound, really, to talk about stardom. Go on, mate. Because I have to say, I saw four matches from this. I think it was fucking brilliant. I think the show was fucking brilliant. I really saw your ratings today. Um, if I'd had more time, so, I would have snuck the main event in because I did see you gave it four and a half, and that's the average on grapple, right? Yeah, I went four and a half on, on the main, and and generally I try. I think because of the the generally because of the app, I find myself being a tighter marker at mm. times. I, I I don't know what it is. I think naturally I'm just like mm, just to go down this, but I went four and a half on that main event. Um, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, just it had real big match feel the fact that we know that the kind of hair means a lot necessarily within japan because that idea of sometimes people are ashamed they have to shave their head on tv and stuff like that as a as the kind of penance and stuff like that but here it felt like that and they showed like kind of from um a previous kind of big um uh uh like time they cut it before i don't know if that was a, like fucking dream slam or whatever um but there was just no dead space in this. It was just, it was, it was fucking nasty. Mm. I mean, it, it didn't have Kitamir delivering that kind of headbutt, but some of these slaps and strikes were just nasty as hell. Um, there was a pole driver through the through a table on Tam Nakano, who is a brilliant underdog baby face. And I've spoken about Julia on here before as like she is someone who, if you're AEW and you're WWE, you're actively looking to sign because she ticks a hell of a lot of boxes, like, and even in a kind of cosmetic way for the fact that she is very attractive, but she's fucking brilliant. She's brilliant in the ring. She carries herself with real poise and star quality, which given the fact that she is kind of in a Hannah Kimura role, that's a hell of a fucking responsibility. 
and she lives up to it. I mean, I said on um, the, the the weekend update, we're talking about it, it did like 3,300 for this. I think he would have done a lot more if they had had normal kind of seating for this. And then I think this would have hopefully lead to other kind of big shows as well. Tam Nakano, which I think the last time we watched Stardom, and it reminded me because Steph also watched it, but it might have been quite early on when Steph was making appearances, so I shared this with her, mm. and she didn't do what you two do, which is ignore it. <laughs> she went and thought, oh, they're all watching this this week, so she ended up watching Stardom. Oh, boy. Well, I... Oh, you apologised. That was Ju- Julia Tam Tam Nakano. This was great. Like, I could be wrong. It could be Nakano, but I think it's Tam Nakano. Um, but just... It, it it had like some of the slap exchanges were absolutely full on fucking nasty. There was a brutal Steiner screwdriver from Tam Nakano and Julia as well. And the way, so I watched it on Stardom World and they have English subtitles. And the way after the match was really quite emotional because they're Tam Nakano not wanting to shave her head because she'd like built up this level of respect and Julia kind of also crying and being upset, but also just going, no, no, let's just do it. And then they're kind of bonding over this as they're like kind of sh- shaving the head. Um, and so it was just brilliant. There was like real sort of like genuine tears going on in there. Not from me. I'm a fucking callous prick. I'd watch something like Beaches and and, and laugh or Terms of Endearment and go, yeah, whatever. Um, so, but that, that was like one of four matches that I saw that were mm. fucking brilliant. The next one was Itami Hayashishita versus Saya Kamatani. I'm not going to go into this kind of move by move. One of them, this was the semi-mine. One of them's been in the business for a year and a half, the other one for two and a half years. And this is freakish. If you're looking at like how inept loads of people coming out of the performance center are after like three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. You can't argue with this fucking train, the way that, that wrestlers are generally being trained in Japan, but certainly in stardom because it was, it wasn't as good. I went four stars on this. Oh, sorry, 3.75, but it was the semi main. And you're just thinking like when I knew how, how long watching this, how long they've been in there for, it's like, fuck me, this is ridiculous. They shouldn't be performing on this level. Then they had. Do you remember from the wrestlers documentary the the thing they showed with Yushiko getting kicked out of Stardom because she shot on um, someone in there, and it was like Chris Wolf was talking about it and about how shocking it was. Well, they had Yushiko back in there against Maya Iwatani, oh, and yeah. I went four stars on this, and this was fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. And it was just classic bully versus ace stuff, but they've got a kind of long, complex relationship as well. And I found myself reading around it because it's actually genuinely interesting. And she has her own promotion called Seedlining. Seedlining, I think it is. It makes no sense, but let's. Jack- I would read that as like sea lining or CD lining or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it's seedling mm. with three N's towards the end. Yeah. Do you not know three N's? Obviously. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she, Mayu Itani is just like a star and she's just one of these kind of like ultra charismatic figures who takes an absolute shit kicking. She did a nuts dive where I thought she was going to kill herself near the start, but it was really good. Um, yeah, and, and afterwards again, like real emotional promos. And this is one of the good things about seeing it with the subtitles on there as well. And I'd also be remiss to mention the opener, is probably one of the... It's a great eight-minute sprint. 
Mm. Again, I went three and a half on this one. It's just a fucking brilliant eight minute sprint as well. And all so many of the wrestlers in this are like between twenty two and late twenties. Like they're young. Mm. They're like and they're only gonna get only gonna get better. I highly, highly recommend if you can see some of this show, see it. Honestly to God. It's absolutely worth it. Whether I'll dive into stardom every week, no. Mm. But these big shows, these big Julia matches, yeah. Uh, like, like I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you, you talking about it there as me, like, you know, sold on it, and like, just sort of like listening to the, you know, passion in your voice about, like, you know, some of the elements there and some of the things that you're picking out and highlighting, just makes me think, yeah, yeah, I want to go and watch, watch that. But then again, just like looking at the ratings on the app as well, and obviously you highlight them last three matches, they're all, they're all above four star average on the app, and mm-hmm. like Stardom's probably one of the surprises for me since putting that on the app is the volume of people that's rating it. You know, we're up, and that's like. That's like a hundred people, hundred people plus rating these matches as well. So it's not like small Maybe fry figures that, that, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not like small fry numbers rating these and them coming out and having you know a big score. There's a lot of people out there rating them and a lot of people out there rating them well. And even you know, you look at those other matches that opener that you referenced there, three point six eight. There was you know the uh, another match um, on there, um, Watanabe and um, Takahashi, three point six eight as well. So. I, 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 I haven't done this, but I bet if you average that out, this is probably the show of the year, like so far, based on them numbers alone and based what I see come through. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, um, yeah, definitely something I, um, I, fa- I fancy checking out and watching. And especially because it's something that, um, again, it's it's not something that I've watched much of in the past as well. And you sort of have some preconceptions as well based on the elements that you have seen before as well. But where, you know, again, you're talking about kind of like the, you know, hard-hitting nature of some of this stuff and the nastiness and things like that in some instances and things like that. You know, it's, it's I don't know, it's maybe sounds a bit surprising as well and, you know, feels like something that um, that might be, uh, might be up my street. Yeah, I, I made a tweet two- joking about like JP sharing the show with us, and literally every reply was people go, "No, genuinely watch it. It was good." You know, as Will said in the chat, Stardom got more votes for promotion of the year in the Observer Awards this year than WWE did. Yeah. Um, you know, clearly a uh, couple yeah. of little things. Mm-hmm. If they had, in- you mentioned this with Noah Benno, mm-hmm. if they had English language commentary, which given that that they talk a lot about the international base, they need mm-hmm. now. Like the subtitles really help for the promos and it's great, but you need English language commentary, particularly for these big shows as well. Mm. And the other thing is they shot this like it was New Japan. It felt like there was a real crossover mm. of how this was shot and it felt like, and we're talking about those kind of ideas that they're focusing on someone in the foreground and then the person in the background will come into the pit. They're doing the things like that that we like about the New Japan camera work. So yeah, sorry, I'll shut up Ben. No, fair enough. No, I'm just worrying about you, mate. I want to I want to give you uh, time to get ML, MLW in, mate. We've got a uh, we've got oh. two minutes here, so I'm just going to do the summary, mate. Because uh, if oh. my Twitter was anything to go by, you did watch it this week, and I I was the one who also watched it, but then forgot he watched it and only realised when I saw the tweets today. So I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the JP role today, but I think if anything sums this up, I saw uh, Akil, among other people, reply to us, and Akil was saying it was uh, one of the best MLW TV shows um, you know, in recent times. I mean, you look at these star ratings, Gareth, you know, uh, 2.21, 2.45, and 2.41 for the three matches on the show, and, you know, no surprise why, uh, why that talks out there, eh, JP? Yeah, great show, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm joking. Alex Thomas thought LA Park. I went higher than the average. I went two and a half. That was the main event. The other two matches were ACH, Kevin Koo, and um, was the other one, Gringo Loco and Gino Medina. Okay, TV matches. Um, yeah. I'll take a show with an LA Park main event and as useless sons as you always put it, JP. Uh, getting oh, involved. Yeah. And I am I actually kind of into this whole story with presumably Dario Cueto turning up at some point, you know, with him having like the uh, security man at ringside during the main event and uh, and all of that stuff. And the show had some good promos as well from uh, from Tom Lawler that I enjoyed and some others. So it was, you know, it, it was an okay episode of television. I don't know what, what else you want. Yeah. I it moves along at a and that's enough pace. for this week. Although these were three of the longer ones. Mate, Calvin Tankman versus Jacob Fatu hey, yeah, on their big good show. Point. Good point. As a main event, <laughs> fuck it. And then during the show, he just goes out for a bifter with injustice. Like he just just it's just like this show is mental in some ways, and it's so cheap. But I love that about it, and I'll act like. Court Bowers said all about podcasts doing MLW. Fucking here, Court. Like, honestly, <laughs> mate. Look, I'm going to show you to this. Found this. MLW Reload. That's Satoshi Kojima as fucking champion there. I've been here with these cunts since the beginning. All right? And I'm still there watching another Gringo Loco versus Gino Medina match, which I saw about three hours ago, and I really can't remember too much of what happens other than <laughs> Gringo Loco likes to chuck himself about a bit for a bloke as big as he is. Courting with JP. Is That's the big. podcast. I'm on forward to it. There we go. With these insights. <laughs> I'm not going to be like that Mr. St. Laurent bloke. He gets my tits a bit. But... Oh, he's he's a go. fucking creepy weirdo, that's all I'll say about him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> fucking it. If anyone Thank used to listen know, to the old school... Courting with podcast. JP now fucked out the window, isn't it? That's hey. just... <laughs> so... <laughs> Sorry. The Lord give the Lord. I said it, JP didn't. Court Power seems like a decent book. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll get to go into it in more detail going up. But exciting things happening in MLW right now, is it fair to say, JP? Yeah. I, there's always stuff happening. But, like, they've got Mil Muertes back. They've got, um, like, it's a weird roster. ACH, Leo Rush, Tom Lawler, Mil Muertes. <laughs> like... Jacob Fatter, it's all over the fucking shop. Mm. LA Park putting over Alexander Hammerstone clean. That surprised me, actually. Like, that I, did shock me. Corbyn must have about his ear there. Like, he's sweet talked him something wrong. It's something about the lads, mm. or like saying, look, we'll get you over here, boys. We'll mm. get you like a kind of good, like maybe, you know, like any way of being able to get them lads work, which, mm. you know, is LA Park and his useless stunts. And they are useless. The only thing they're good at is switching, doing the fucking, is it the twin magic that the Bellas used to do? <laughs> Obviously, just yeah. swap around for the other one. I don't know why that comes to mind, but yeah, it, it is such a, a deeply shitter version. It's a weird promotion to watch in that. Yeah, you get LA Park and, and his shit sons, but then you get like like we said, you know, clearly caught watching his uh, GCW tapes. You know, a Calvin Tankman or the light will turn up, and you know, Gringo Loco is kind of shit to be honest. Will, will turn up on the show. Yeah, um, it's interesting <laughs> <It's cool. laughs> if, if nothing else. Um, but yeah, you know, Laredo up on the show. Yeah, yeah, that was bad, but oh well. I'll I'll keep giving it a go, JP. Eventually, maybe I'll uh, I'll fall in love with it like you. But we are never uh... say never. <laughs> maybe Which is on thirty uh, first of March and on Roku <laughs> channel. Mate, I know because it's on my calendar because you sent me the invite twenty seven times, so it's never going to leave. So fully, <laughs> fully aware. 
pops up every day. The reminder. Thanks for that, mate. Appreciate it again. Um, <laughs> Absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. Putting in those calendar invites just for that. Benno's Ring of Honor show. He'll <laughs> come up every once, once every four weeks. You fucker! I'm gonna have to migrate from Google Calendar to something else. Uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach you not to watch Stardom. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, uh, we are rapidly ahead to the three-hour point, so I'll uh, I'll get us out of here with the quickness uh, as normal. Everyone uh, at Grapple App, follow on Twitter, download the Grapple App, get your ratings in for everything we talked about today. Uh, anything else on the Grapple front we need to mention, Gareth? No, got it covered there, mate. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Follow JP on Twitter, JPGP, me at Benson Richard E. Gareth at Grapple Gareth. And as we said earlier on, Patreon's there, grapple.com slash Patreon. Still playing, we're halfway through the month, but still plenty of uh, fun stuff coming at the, uh, the the tail end of this month. Uh, like we say, we've got the um, we've got the, the big piece on uh, Mohammed Hassan uh, we're going to be tackling this week, as well as uh, lots of WrestleMania content coming. Uh, keep an eye out for our calendar going into that, as well as, yeah, Spotlight Live every Monday, our weekend preview, JP's fantastic daily updates, Wednesdays, I cannot wait for uh, and all of the other stuff you get on the Patreon so yeah head over there if you want to support us but other than that thanks again everyone for tuning in we'll catch you again next Monday night bye see ya bye Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Our goals aren't as out of reach as we once thought because things are coming back. And if there's anything we've learned, it's that there's no time like the present. At U.S. Bank, we take the time to understand you, to help get you to where you really want to be by getting to the root of any financial obstacle so you can move forward because side by side, there's no telling how far you'll go. U.S. Bank, we'll get there together. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC.